Land are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you. Start of uh, another week and uh, courtesy of Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Uh, we uh, hope to keep you uh, well and truly informed uh, in the next uh, three hours, especially uh, a review too of uh, what's been happening over the weekend. Still got a cricket test on in, in Wellington as well, uh, which is entering day four with the Black Caps in great shape to win uh, three in a row. So we'll go to uh, Wellington. We'll go to Frankie Mackay, who, of course, uh, former White Fern, uh, is the cricket commentator down there for Spark. So uh, we'll get uh, what Frankie's impressions are. We'll have uh, a cricket news update. To, Big replacement for Michael Bracewell coming into the one-day squad. Michael Bracewell uh, off to get some uh, IPL experience uh, with the Royal Challengers Bangalore. And that, of course, is uh, at the um, request of Michael Mike Hessen, who's uh, the operations manager over there. Well, talk back time after 9.30. What was your impression of the weekend? What stood out for you? Crusaders, Blues, uh, was it everything you thought it would be? How about them Warriors uh, winning on the road? Uh, so um, plenty for you to talk about. If you went to the yachting, love to hear uh, hear about that. The sailing, uh, of course, in uh, Littleton sounded like a spectacular event. Uh, Jeff McTainch after ten o'clock, uh, who's been doing some uh, rugby commentary over the weekend. We'll talk about uh, the weekend it was in terms of uh, Super Rugby, of course, and uh, Super Rugby or Picky uh, had their semi-finals. Jamie Wall and Ollie Ritchie. So uh, a lot of rugby to talk about there. Six Nations, All Blacks, the Warriors, of course, will include in that. Uh, and then after 11 o'clock, Vossi, his take on what happened over the weekend. The sports desk will go inside the EPL and uh, look at some FA Cup as well. Uh, and also we shall have your text, hopefully, on double eight double three. What impressed you over the weekend? What were your standout performances, your disappointments? Uh, just as we would normally would like to hear from you on a Monday in terms of review. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Go on, admit it. Whilst the Warriors under Webby is developing into a top story, winning games they surely wouldn't have won last year, the Dolphins' version is quite remarkable. This NRL is one of the toughest comps in the world bar none. Don't believe me? Well then sit down and watch two or three games in their entirety next weekend. Hit after hit, collision after collision, it'll have you reaching for the frozen peas in no time. No week off to rest the bit for the big boys either for later appointments and no favours for the newbies. So what is it about Supercoach Wayne Bennett that enables him to put together a group of schoolyard picks and give them spirit and purpose from the get-go? Old Benny has his boys 3-0 and top of the class. It's probably fair to say there's uh, nothing happened in league that he hasn't seen before. 46 years of coaching will do that for you. Seen it all, created it all. Each novice journalist for snacks at press conferences and barely tolerates the other ones. One of the most feared men in league off the field, all going well, He'll be 76 when this coaching contract expires. There's a couple of books on my gotta read list now. Don't Die With The Music and The Man In The Mirror, both Bennett creations. Maybe they'll unlock some background I've ignored to this point. And next game against the Broncos, 532 games at the helm there. They reckon there won't be some purpose in this week's build up or what? Friday night, 10 o'clock, compulsive. I'm I'm in a picking comp with eight other blokes for the year and not one man Jack wanted the bar of the Dolphins. 17th pick out of 17. Well, we know our stuff, don't I? Don't we, uh, don't we all? I'm betting many experts picked 3-0. Just like I reckon 
it's time to resurrect the old Tui billboard. And just like we all saw Henry Nichols scoring 200 at the Basin. Yeah, right. Well, the Black Caps are in a commanding position. Yes, they are heading into day four of the second test against Sri Lanka. Uh, they need a 303 runs at the base and reserve just to make uh, New Zealand bat again. It's a position they've been in before at the same venue. They forced a draw back in 2018, so don't count them out just yet. But uh, I'm picking it's uh, a Black Caps three in a row. With us is Frankie Mackay, who's been part of the Spark Sport commentary team uh, during this test match and, uh, of course, throughout the summer. Uh, but you join us from Christchurch this morning, and why is that, Frankie? I do. Well, I was just a, I was just a flying visit to Wellington, unfortunately. Katie Martin is, is part of the crew this time around, and she had a wedding to go to Saturday morning. Uh, so I was up and down to Wellington, headed up Friday night, uh, was there Saturday, which was obviously brilliant. <clears throat> See Kane and, and Henry Nichols go out and score a double century, each is, is pretty impressive, and then, yeah, back... Back home Sunday, and then it's off to work today for me. So yeah, back to my back to my day job. Back to your day job. Hey, uh, Frankie, let's uh, let's first we'll start on Kane, shall we? I mean, um, you know what? It's at twenty eight hundreds now, um, and mm. he just. Um, you know, I I really like the fact that he got first innings runs this time round because they're the hard runs, especially when you're centering on a relatively green pitch. So. Uh, tell us a, a, a wee bit about your impressions uh, in the, uh, the last three to four weeks of Kane Williamson in particular. Yeah, well, there'd, there'd been, I guess, a few questions swirling around whether he could get back to his best form after that niggling elbow injury that seems to have lingered on for, for far too long. And then he had a few misses, as you said, those first innings. And, and were we going to see the best of Kane Williamson? And yes, absolutely we have, I think. It just shows this last innings, it shows the benefit of of time in the middle, we scored hundreds the last couple of tests, both been fourth innings of the game, which is an impressive feat in itself. But but this last one, that was just that was Kane at his absolute best. I think because of the way he goes about it, because of how understated he is, because of his, how he just accumulates his runs. It's never bash, block bash. It's never all out attack. It's just so measured. And you look up on the scoreboard, and all of a sudden you go, heck, he's on eighty, and then it just continues on from there. It was. It was brilliant, it was commanding in, in the way that only Kane Williamson can be. And I think we almost take it for granted a little bit. We are we are so used to seeing him churn out runs. I think it's five years in a row now he's scored a double century. So it almost does just become, it is the norm for Kane Williamson. It is normal to turn up to the ground and, and expect to see him do it at some point in time. But, you know, we are, we are witnessing greatness. We are witnessing one of the best players going around in world cricket. He can definitely lay claim to being our best batsman. And, and, and we're just so used to seeing it that I think we've almost become a little bit nonchalant at, at just how impressive it is. But, yeah, to sit down for a day and, and watch him just go about the work the way he does, oh, he's, he's brilliant to watch. He's beautiful. He's straight out of the textbook. He can go through the gears, it feels like, whenever he needs it, and, and he's got the best defence going around. So, yeah, to me, that's if you're a cricket fan, you're a cricket lover, that is, there's no better way to spend a day than to, to sit down and watch Kane Williamson pile on the runs. Take your Canterbury hat off for a second and uh, give us your expectancies uh, for Henry Nichols going into this test. One, would you have picked him? Uh, and two, did you see this coming? Well, I think it's a really interesting one. I think when you you look at it as a 
yeah, we all like to be armchair selectors. I think when you look at it as a from a selector's point of view, it's it's pretty easy to say, well, that's the guy that's not performing. Get him out and get someone else in. You've you've got a, a guy like Will Young who's been around the Test squad. I mean, he only averages 28 in Test cricket. He's been up and down the order a little bit. So whether he's the answer or not, not sure. You've got a guy Glenn Phillips who who plays that more attractive brand of cricket, more into that baseball that everyone's been talking about for months. So. There's options there that are that are knocking on the door and, and ready to have a crack. So I think when you look at it like that, it's, it should have perhaps been an easy decision. But what I actually like about it is the fact that this team has been built on stability. And yes, there's discussions going around that it is an ageing team and maybe we're over the the best of it and we're on the downward slide now and perhaps that is accurate and the need to find some use but but what I like is it has been a really consistent selection throughout the, the last few years as, as you there or thereabouts know exactly who's going to be in this test team and, and if I take my Canterbury hat off and put my players hat on that's actually such a nice position to be in as a player as you you feel like you're at home, you feel like you've got people who want you to be successful, who are giving you the full support, and that's within the team, but also that selection management group as well. But it's not just they're looking for any reason to get rid of you, which which almost becomes that, that horrible feeling of you're playing for your spot, you're playing for your life, and, and not too many people play well in that position. So I'm sure that Henry Nichols had heard some of the outside noise. I'm sure he was very aware of his own form slump and... and just that he hadn't been putting runs on the board and, and that's not a nice position to be in. You want to be contributing, you want to be scoring runs, you want to be winning games for your team, especially with that move up to number four. It's some pretty big shoes to fill. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm pleased they stuck with him. I think there was enough in the last couple of tests to show that he was actually getting into really good positions. He's actually striking the ball okay. He was just making the odd poor decision along the way. And, and as soon as you get out of form... When you start doing that, that generally means the end of your day. When you get into a purple patch, into a good run, you make the odd decision-making error here or there, make the odd execution error, and you get away with it, and you just continue on your merry way. But as soon as the, the game turns against you a little bit and form goes against you, it you get onto Struggle Street, and that feels like the world is against you. So I, I was pleased to see they stuck with him, and, and I think just the way he spoke about the day afterwards and, and has spoken throughout the test, there's always been this... this big grin on his face, just exuding just exactly how happy he was, how much it meant to him and, and how much pressure there actually was sitting on his shoulders to be able to do that. So he loves playing at the base and he also loves playing at Hagley. He's got very fine records there. So I, I suppose when you look at the stats behind him, it, you'd almost say it was a no-brainer to, to play him at Wellington and, and expect to get a score out of him. But I, I think we'd all be lying if we said he was going to be walking off with 200 next to his name. Yeah, I agree. Um, what it does show, I suppose, if you are consistent in terms of selection, if you show enough faith, and my goodness, they showed a lot of faith. It must have been right at the end of the tether, and my understanding is, um, I didn't see the incident, but I, my understanding is he should have been caught behind for not too many, um, and how the world can change with just uh, one moment in time. Uh, let's uh, Can we talk about the Bracewell Cousins? First of all, uh, as many people that have texted this show and other shows saying gets... It's time Henry Nichols is replaced. Uh, about as many people said it's time Doug Bracewell got to go. Uh, now that he's fully fit, what have you made of Doug Bracewell in this test match? Oh, I, I like it. I like to see it. I think he, he's gone away. He's, I mean, it's six years, just over six years between test matches, which is a, a pretty long wait. So you'd expect to, to go back to domestic cricket and, and put a weight of runs and wickets on the board. So, And that's, that's exactly what he's done. I think he's... He's a better player than he was six years ago. I think he's got excellent control, and that's what 
he offers this black cap side that's a little bit of something different. We've seen Picknett, yes, he's come in, he's had some good spells, but he, he even admits that control is not the element of his game that, that is the number one strength of his. You've had Neil Wagner, and he has performed his role admirably over the last few years, but he hasn't had that control in the last few test matches either. So to have a guy like Doug Brassell come in who just knows his game exceptionally well, knows exactly what he's about, can just run in and hammer away at a spot all day. I actually think he he fits a really nice little little posse in this group. I think it allows Matt Henry to be slightly more attacking. I think it allows Tim Southey to be slightly more attacking when he wants to as well because he knows that he's got a guy that can just come in and bowl dry. And, and he's also got some wicket-taking ability. He's the kind of cricketer that that makes things happen. So I, I like to see the selection. I, I think he's really improved his batting. His, his first-class average is up to about 30 now, and he's got a few hundreds in his back pocket. So it adds another level to that to that batting side to have a guy who's coming in who's got a bit of firepower, who's got the ability to hang in, and he's just a pretty gutsy cricketer. So I, I like the selection. I, I think it, it fits well. I'm not sure whether he'll be uh, a shoo-in for, for the remainder of the Oh, well, there's no more tests remaining in the summer, but I'm not sure if he'll be in that squad for Bangladesh when they head over in November. But I think a horse is a course's selection. I, I think he can fill multiple roles across the team. And, and I think he's, you know, so far he, he looks right at home. Yeah. Well, uh, it's been it's been a while for him. And uh, whilst he's been watching and uh, trying to get fully fit, uh, his cousin Michael has uh, come into the side in a very interesting role uh, up until uh, the weekend, he really hadn't figured uh, with the ball at all as the front-line spinner. Uh, he got three for 50 at the weekend, so uh, he was part of the, the Sri Lankan collapse, I guess. But his development, you're a spinner, uh, his, his development uh, in that role, uh, I mean, is it a place where Test Cricket, where you develop a spinner, or should a spinner be ready-made by the time he gets there? Well, I think that's... It's almost the opposite of his cousin Doug and the fact that he's coming into Test Match Cricket and having to to learn his craft on the job. I think any time you've, you've got the ability to pick cricketers who've, who've worked out, I guess, the nuts and bolts of, of what they're doing and what they're about at the domestic level, I think they are more inclined to be successful at the international level. I think, you know, when you're... And, and that's the... That's why you don't generally pick a whole heap of youngsters straight out of their first season of, of first-class cricket. You don't go, well, they look the good, so let's throw them in the test arena, they'll learn there, because only the absolute best in the world can actually do that. And you think of someone like a, like a Dan Vittori, who basically learnt his craft playing international cricket. But there's not many people who can do that. There are very, very few who can take to the game the way that a Vittori did. So... I think it's a huge ask. I think he's got he's got a lot of talent for it. I think he's got a lot of ability. I think he has shown that he has got the ability to learn quickly, but it is a massive ask. And I think we saw that in uh, the last test at Wellington against the English, is that it was a wearing wicket, there was turn, there was bounce. The spinner should feature. They should be a big part of, of taking wickets on the last day. But the way that the English went about him is they saw him as a threat. They just attacked him. Uh, Joe Root just went at him every time he, he came on to bowl. Adam, Adam, Adam. And it just meant that's perhaps something that Bracel hadn't encountered in his first-class career so far. So it was something that put him on the back foot. All of a sudden, he started to miss a bit more. Tim Southey couldn't keep going to him. had to keep going back to the fast men all the time and, and just looked a little bit a little bit out of his depth in, in that moment. So I think you've got to be prepared. If if he is the guy going forward, you've got to be prepared that sometimes he's not going to get it right and he's going to come up against situations he's he's maybe slightly ill-equipped for or he's going to have the odd bad day thrown in there. I, I think 
the big thing for me is he's, he's got to do a bit more work bowling to left-handers. I think that should be, as a right-arm off spinner, it should be your bread and butter, but it actually looks to me like he's a much better bowler to the right-handed batter. So that, to me, just, just suggests he just hasn't done enough bowling to left-handers, hasn't got maybe his angles exactly quite right. The rhythm doesn't necessarily kick in the same as, as bowling right-arm over the wicket to right-handers. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. It, it, it brings about a role. What exactly do we want from him? Is he a, a spinner first who then can offer you a few runs? I'd suggest if he's batting eight, that is his role. But it seems like the batting is the big thing that we like that extra insurance policy. So if that's the case, he probably needs to be scoring a few more runs. That's then the other side of the coin that you start talking about and the, the spin bowling becomes an, an added benefit to runs. So at the moment, he's probably not ticking either boxes as well as he would like to be doing. But he's a good player. He's got a lot of good attributes about him. He spins the ball a long way. gets the ball to drop on batters, which I think a lot of spinners nowadays don't quite get the same. Um, they bowl a bit quicker through the air. So there's there's a lot to like with him, but I think it's a pretty hard ask to say, learn your job at international cricket and have some good days along the way. You're a studier of strategies and uh, tactics. Uh, you've done a bit of captaincy in your time as well, Frankie. Uh, Tim Salvey as a test captain. Now we're starting to get a really, uh, you know, we've had, what, four tests in a row basically here. We're getting to study him a little bit more. What have you, what have you made of him as a captain in, say, comparison to a Kane Williamson? I don't think there's been too much difference if I'm really honest I don't think the, that he's come in and done things drastically different we haven't, I mean the likes of you see with England again we reference them but Ben Stokes coming in there's just such a noticeable difference in how he wants to do things compared to a Joe Root I don't think you necessarily see the same, he's, he's ever so slightly more attacking inclined I think than, than Kane but he's also a captain coming into a side that's that's got a pretty good record, that things are ticking along pretty well. You've got an experienced core group of players who played a lot of cricket together, know what they're doing, know what they're about, know the rough plans that they're looking to execute. So he's he's almost just leading the way, just allowing them to, to have control over what they want to do. But he knows how to pull the reins as well. That's for sure he knows how to, you know, when, when he wants something done, knows how to get it done from his players. Uh, I think he's... I, th- I think he's doing a good job. The only thing that I would <laughs> criticise him on is his use of reviews. I think at the moment it's uh, he's almost scared that he's not going to review one and it is going to be out. So as soon as anyone gives him any indication that maybe it's close-ish, then that's good enough for the fast bowler. But maybe that's maybe that's just what all fast bowlers are like. They think everything's out. So yeah, I- I've been I've been interested to watch how he goes. I- I've I've enjoyed the way he's gone about things. I think he hasn't let the game drift for, for periods the same that perhaps we've had a little bit under Kane Williamson. That was probably the, the criticism that got levelled his way. And and probably the, the thing that I've enjoyed is actually that he goes to a spinner a little bit more often. Michael Bracewell hasn't always been in excellent form, hasn't always performed the role perfectly, but he's been prepared to say, well, now's the time to try and take pace out of the game. We're going to give you catches all around the bat. We're going to try and allow you to be successful and we're going to let you whirl through some overs. And if if you take a bit of tap, that's okay. This is what we want to do. This is how we're going to do it. So I'd like to see that. I think uh, that that going forward for New Zealand, that's important because you're going to have spinners who don't always necessarily get to bowl in conditions that favour them, but you can still be canny about it. They still have a role that they can play, and if you can set clever fields around that, they can still find some success. So I've liked the way he's gone about it. I, I think he's got a good side to be working with as well. And, yeah, I, there's... 
there'll still be questions asked I think every time you go to different countries and and you get in some slightly foreign conditions where it is a bit more hard work to try and manufacture wickets and create wickets out of nothing. But so far for me, I think he gets. I think he gets a tick next to his name. Fourth day, weather permitting. Last day, book the limo. Is it? Yeah, you'd be you'd be tentatively pencilling that in. That's for sure. That's that's been the big question mark hanging over the whole test. Is Day five, there's weather around, so that that'll definitely influence some decision making. They took ten wickets yesterday, which is which is good. That's always a nice way to spend the day. So, so that'll be exactly what they're after today. They only need eight for victory. They've got through a couple, so it's it's just pushing on for that. Uh, I think there'll be fresh enough legs that they can make some inroads. I will say though, if you actually ap- apply yourself, the surface is is reasonably placid for a basin reserve wicket. They've They've got through the the tough stuff early on. It did a little bit sideways, a little bit up and down, but it's actually flattened out quite nicely. It's it's slower than the other surfaces that we've probably seen at the the basin throughout the summer and what we're used to as well. So you're not going to get the same balls leaping off a length and wrapping you on the gloves all day. So if you actually apply yourself, you can. You can bat long. You could bat for days on that wicket if you wanted to. So it's not saying it's all just going to get handed to New Zealand on a platter, but I think the Sri Lankan side looks looks pretty despondent. They look pretty down and out. I think the the loss in Christchurch hit them pretty hard, taking away their chances of getting into that World Test Championship final. Uh, that's, a, that's a hard one to have to deal with and, and for it to be so close as well. So... Yep, they look a little down and out, a little despondent with it. The, the, they've had a few punishing days in the field as well and some pretty heavy legs from what is a... Yeah, it's a very heavy basin reserve surface at the moment. So, yeah, I think it's it's all going New Zealand's way, but there is a glimmer of hope for Sri Lanka. They can bat through the day. The rain comes in, maybe they manage to sneak away with the draw. Frankie Mackay, always uh, great to hear your thoughts. Um Sorry that you're not uh, at the basin um, and that you have to go to your real job, but uh, we are appreciative of your time this morning. Have a terrific day. Uh, thanks very much, Smithy. No worries. Happy to chat any time. Yeah, cheers. Uh, thanks, Frankie. Uh, very good. Very, very good indeed. 9.25 here on SENZ. Needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. James Smithy's cricket update, thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Well, good news for Russian Ravindra fans, and he has quite a few of them just by the by. He's been called into the Black Caps uh, ODI squad to face Sri Lanka uh, to replace Michael Bracewell, who has had quite the weekend. He's been released from the White Ball squad to join the Royal Challengers Bangalore in the Indian Premier League. Ravindra will assemble with the ODI squad in Auckland on Wednesday ahead of the first match of the ANZ ODI series at Eden Park on Saturday, March 25th. Black Caps coach Gary Stead said the news provided opportunities for both players. Michael's contributed to our white ball teams since making his debut last year. He said it's exciting he'll get a chance to take up the learning opportunities that the IPL provides, particularly as a spin bowling all-rounder. With the World Cup in India this year, it's great to have players getting more experience in those conditions right there. Uh, Stead said he had been impressed by the way Ravindra had continued to develop with bat and ball this season across all formats. Another good chance for him to spend time in the Black Caps environment. Ravindra has played T20 internationals and Test cricket for New Zealand, but is uncapped in one-day internationals. It's uh, coming up to 9.31. Uh, we'd like you to call us now, please, on 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811. 
Uh, what stood out for you over the weekend, Warriors fans? Uh, how about winning games that uh, this year already that you perhaps wouldn't have won last year? Uh, have a look on that. And does this uh, settle the debate now? The best coach uh, in New Zealand, the best equipped to go and take the All Blacks? Is it Razor taking a patched up squad to Eden Park and winning again uh, after last year's grand final? Does that convince you that uh, he can take a bunch up there? Uh, and knock over Auckland once more, the, the Blues once more. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that if you went to either of those games or if you went to uh, the sailing, the sail JP at Littleton. Really good, really good calls uh, coming on and good responses on the text machine as well. Carlos has sent us a beauty, uh, which we'll read out very shortly as well. So plenty to talk about in the next half hour. 0800 150 811. Talk back time with Smithy. Call now. 0800-150-811. Right, let's get uh, stuck under the calls uh, lining up for us this morning. First uh, this morning, Brian from Hibiscus Coast. Brian, good morning to you. Good morning, Ian. Uh, wouldn't it be great if somehow we could send a video clip over to David Warner how one should celebrate when... The cricketer scores 100 or even 200. Wasn't that nice? They just took their helmets off, shook hands, and that was it. No high hurdles or screaming or whatever. But I, I haven't got a computer. I can't do anything about it. But, gee, wouldn't it be great? Send it to the Australian Cricket Board <laughs> with a copy to go to David Warner. <laughs> I, I get where you're coming hey, what from, do you Brian. Oh, I think it's hey. very good, very fun, very funny. Won't ever happen, but and uh, it's a cool no. call. Uh, I, 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 know, I know where you're coming from, and I think the last one he got at the Melbourne Cricket Ground, we got a hundred, then he got two hundred um, through all the cramp and things. That was, uh, but they love it. They love it, the Australians, uh, you know, and they love um, seeing celebrations like that. But we're so used to um, um, Kane Williamson, Henry Nichols, Ross Taylor, those kind of guys just doing their own little thing in their own little um, environment and uh, it's a lot It's a lot more tolerable too. Um, can I ask you this question? If, say, if, say, Usman Kawaja did that, uh, the same as David Warner, would you be um, just as uh, miffed about it? Would, would you just, is it just well, a warning factor at him, for you? I look at him and I, and I think, is he alive, that bloke? <laughs> Kawaja, he's, <laughs> So <laughs> slow. And uh, no, I don't like what. The last little thing, Ian, this morning, uh, don't bowl short. What's the point of bowling short and goes over the batsman's head? You're only expanding energy. Try and bowl Yorkers and crowd the batsman for the first hour or so. What do you reckon? Totally agree. Yeah, like I agree. The only reason you, you bowl a bounce, Richard Hadley was the greatest exponent of of bowling bouncers, and, and, and they, he bowled very few of them. He only bowled them as a weapon to get someone out, not to intimidate them, to be honest. He, he actually thought he had a, a susceptibility to a hook shot or a pull shot. He'd set a trap and bowl one every now and then, but line and length, line and length, Brian, you and, you and I both know we're at the same vintage. Line and length. These guys this morning, Ian, won't be going for a win because they won't get a win, but they'll be uh, defending... So they'll be prodding a little bit, so crowd them like like other teams do. All the Good best, point. mate. 
Good on you, Brian. Uh, thanks very much for your call, Davy Warner. Eh? Uh, Zane, Zane from Parapara Umu. Zane, uh, golfer extraordinaire, but a self-confessed Warriors fan who must be loving this. Yeah, I don't know too much about the golf at the moment, mate. We won't talk about that, but um, yeah, Warriors, eh? What about um, this? What about this at the moment? So I, I can't recall the last time... I saw an 80-minute effort like that in recent memory, and I'm going back further than 2018 when we had a relatively good year when we got fit under Alex Corbo being our trainer when Kearney was there. We're going back to the Ivan Cleary days. It is, actually. What I like about it um, is they're, you know, they're getting themselves in situations and working their way out of them rather than just throwing in the white towel. Well, I mean, it's as if they watch my game preview on YouTube there under the Warrior Holic, by the way. Um, I asked them to play for 80 minutes to get up in the face of the opposition, take the time away from those X-Factor players they had at North Queensland. I asked for Sean Johnson to run the ball and stop putting up these bombs and kick it down into their corners, keep, keep the, um, the Queenslanders running the ball off their own line and tie them out, and they did it to a tee. They didn't score for 67 minutes. And their only two tries came from lucky bounces of the ball from kicks. So what more could you ask? What more could you ask? Uh, that's good. What about the Dolphins? Have you had a look at the Dolphins yet, Zane? Yeah, I have, mate. I've seen all of their games, mate. They're, um, they're playing very, very similarly to us. Very structured, calm, um, fit. It's as if they're almost mirrors, actually. Neither of us have all of you know, the, the fancy, world-class X-factor players in our game. But when you get in their face and you tie them out on defence and you, you're sticking your, your patterns under pressure, you can win. But I think they may struggle against the Broncos this week. We shall see that. OK, we shall see, Zane. Thanks for your call. Uh, incidentally, yeah, I'm watching the Valspar Championship at the moment and guy Adam Schenk is leading, uh, leading Jordan Spieth and Tommy Fleet with just sung a 100-foot putt. I reckon a 100-foot putt. Uh, Michael from Tutakaka. Uh, good morning to you, Michael. Smithy, how are you? I'm damn good, mate. Damn good. Good, good. Hey, listen, recall our conversation of a week ago and, and you said, is, is, is Williamson the, the greatest we've ever had? And you'd have to, he's just put another notch in that belt after this last double century. I think taking, the, or him not being captain, let's be diplomatic, has been the making of him. He's just playing his natural game. It was just, it was just a work of art, that innings. It was just poetry, emotion, um, just unbelievable to watch, you know? Look, I, I, he is a master craftsman. I, I don't think there's any other way, because he crafts innings. I mean, he, you know, he is a craftsman at his game. With a bat in hand, he is a craftsman. And, you know, we, we've often looked at him in white ball cricket, haven't we said, look, Mike, uh, Michael, haven't we? We just said he just doesn't score quick enough in T20 cricket. He, he because yeah, he's yeah. modelled himself, he's modelled himself to do what he did at the Basin Reserve. What he's done in his last three or four innings, bat for long periods of time, wear down the opposition, give them limited opportunities to even sniff getting you out, and just just score big. I mean, that is yeah. him. That is him to a T. Yeah, totally agree. Um, the Warriors, mate. Um, I don't know something's gone into the water and Mount Smart this year but you know these guys um, they actually, I think they believe in themselves now and I think that's that's 100% of the, of the of the going a long way to solving the problem you know they actually believe they can do it that was a that was a fantastic game on on the weekend and, and they just 
stuck it out and, and beat a team that was way more fancy than them. And, you know, if they keep on this trajectory, they'll they'll have a good season. And, and you can just tell by the way people are talking about them. They're actually talking about them with respect and not disdain at the moment. So, um, yeah, good on them. And obviously the, the new structure they've put in place, and it won't be one man, but it will be a structure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's paying dividends. There's no doubt about that, Michael. Um, I, I think we're watching a we're t- watching a, a really different Warriors in the course of this uh, break that they've had uh, over summer to restructure um, the men and behind them. Not a lot of a hell of a lot of personnel changes, to be fair. Um, and yep. they've honestly they've just found they've just found a formula which um, you know which they've been searching for in terms of desire. I think is uh, a word there as well. They want to play well, they want to play for each other, and they want to play for this coach. So uh, good luck to them so far. Of course, they haven't, um, you know, they haven't hit too many downsides yet, and uh, it's such a long season that'll happen, and how they bounce back from those uh, will be the key. But, Michael, thank you very much for your call. I really do appreciate it. And on Kane Williamson, you're a spot on. Joey, good morning to you. Yeah, good day, Timothy. Yeah, look, the Warriors, um, effort comes by, by a lot with fitness. And uh, they seem to be a lot fitter side. Um, Sean Johnson's running now with the football with more um, pizzazz, but he's been able to run with the, the ball. And he's got runners that are running into holes, and he's, he doesn't have to give it to them. But he's got he needs runners. When you run with the football, you need guys running, and that's what they're doing. They're, he's got two or three guys running, and so it's, it's creating the defence, the opposition defence. Is he going to give him the ball? No, he's not. Okay, whatever. And that's what you need as well. And also, um, their their uh, def- as I say, their defence is very good, and their their attack is is coming along a lot better. And that'll come with obviously with um, with more fitness. And they've always had attack. Any side has always got attack, Smithy. You know, it, it'll just come. It takes a little while to get used to it. Um, Martin's playing quite well. The young fellow that came on that, that played fullback played well, and so did the number seventeen that came on. They're wanting the ball. These these forwards, these props and second rowers, they've got a real starch in their starch in their um, forward pack now, and 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 they're they're playing for each other, and and that also brings you know your your mate outside you as you know even when you're playing playing in cricket and that in team games, your mate outside you, you want to play for them, and that's what they're doing. And as for the cricket, um, well Nichols, you know uh, he did, did fantastic. You know he's only one one nick away from um, being out and to do what he did uh, is, is fantastic. Obviously, Williamson, you know, he's, just, he's great anyway, but um, it's good to see him to come back to, with a bit of form because obviously, you, you know, one um, one bad shot and um, and you're gone again. And, um, yeah, he played, he played well. They put us in a, in a really good position. And last but not least, Livy, um, Link South had been great. No. No, they weren't. I didn't think they were that flash. I didn't think that flash. To be perfectly honest, you, Joey, this was a, this was lining out to be one hell of a call, this, and you've just blown it. You've just absolutely blown it. Well, no worries, mate. You know, I, I, it was it was three three one. It was three three one. It was three three, Joe. You know damn. You know damn well it was three three, and your new Spurs blew it in the last little bit to actually have an away win. So yes, Joey. 
Yes, Joey. Thank you very much, Joey. I look forward to talking to you next time, mate. Oh, relentless. Show some allegiance and you get punished all the time. Okay. Right. It's 9.45 here on SCNZ. Thanks very much for uh, all your calls. I, I would say if I was out of form and um, not producing runs to any great degree, uh, I wouldn't mind Kane Williamson at the other end as a lesson, and an on-the-spot lesson 20 yards away on how to build an innings, how to uh, play, how to develop a t- and, and how to wear down an attack on my behalf as well. Uh, not a bad guy to get uh, find a score with, I promise you that. 9.45, we'll be back shortly. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, how do you reckon I went last uh, Friday? Blues to beat the Crusaders? Nah. Storm to beat the Titans? Nah. Sharks to beat the Raiders? Nah. 0 for 3. What a walloping that was. Uh, let's uh, hope this weekend starts a little bit better. Denver Nuggets to beat the, the Brooklyn Nets this afternoon at a buck 70. I think that's a possibility. Uh, in the uh, NCAA, it's uh, March Madness time. Connecticut, Yukon, uh, to beat St Mary's at a dollar fifty-two, and uh, in the tennis uh, later today, uh, Alcaraz to beat Medvedev. That's a match up and a half, isn't it? Alcaraz, slight favourite there at a dollar seventy-nine. So that multi's up at uh, four dollars sixty-two. Four dollars sixty-two. I've got some texts to read out when we come back uh, before 10 o'clock. And after 10, of course, it's time to talk some super rugby with Jeff McTainch. Covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Let's get uh, into some of your texts and thank you very much for them. This is a beauty from Carlos. Uh, regarding the sailing. I spoke with the team manager for the Canadian Sail GP team at the airport this morning. He said, in his opinion, Littleton was the best venue for sailing in the world since the competition started three years ago. He said the Port Hills and the surrounding Banks Peninsula backdrop was nothing short of stunning. He noted that Kiwis in particular were more informed and had a greater knowledge of competitive sailing. A nice tribute, I thought, to the local organisation and in particular, Carl Budge. Yeah, thanks, Carlos. Uh, nice reflection there. Nice to hear that kind of feedback, isn't it? Uh, let's uh, have a look at Smithy. I'm uh, super proud of our Warriors team. This is uh, from Dave. I know it's very hard not to get our hopes up, but uh, after so many lean years where we struggled, we almost look like the complete package at the moment in terms of our defence and our attack. Great performances from Sean uh, Johnson, especially on D, the young fullbacks. Uh, Debut, Tane Tuapiki was outstanding, along with Mitch Barnett and Wade Egan again. So there are some really good signs, aren't they? We can't deny that. Um, uh, it definitely felt weird not wanting to launch my remote through the TV watching a Warriors game compared to previous years. Right, uh, also in terms of the Crusaders, that's uh, always interesting. Uh, and uh, up the mighty Crusaders. After copping it left, right and centre last week after the draw result, Saturday night's victory at Eden Park was immensely satisfying, showing our champion qualities. Radio listening today is much more pleasant. Uh, that's from my namesake, Ian. Chris says, I go to most Blues, Blues home games 
And unlike the final last year, I could sense a lot of Blues fans were were pretty happy with how the Blues played. Oh, interesting. Okay, I would have thought they were just a little bit disappointed. A little bit disappointed. Uh, good morning, Smithy. My top sporting moment this weekend, also Leeds United getting a much-deserved away win to Wolves. Also, the Warriors win. Uh, all the best, Steve-O. Um, and Nichols uh, says, Dan, well done on a good pitch against the spent attack, but he's still got a way to go. Uh, Doug Bracewell is 32 years old. The clock is ticking there. Yeah, interesting. Uh, some interesting thoughts. Uh, thank you very much uh, for your feedback. Across the board on a number of subjects there. Yes, the Blues. Uh, the Blues, I would have thought on paper um, they had it. I, I would have thought that with Crusaders, with so many players out, so many high-profile All Blacks out, I would have thought that the Blues had it on paper. Um, I, I thought their back line um, and through to their loose forwards, actually. I was a little bit worried about their tight five, but their Blues, uh, their back line and their loose forwards, I, I thought they were just an outstanding look going into that game. But again, they couldn't get it done on the big occasion against the side that uh, religiously does. Uh, why we wrote them off, and uh, I'm one of those as well. Uh, why we wrote them off, I do not quite understand. However, that is that. It is uh, coming up to 10 o'clock. We'll talk more about the Blues' performance against the Crusaders. In fact, uh, coming up with um, Jeff McTainch. On uh, Friday night, uh, with the Hurricanes uh, knocking over the Waratahs uh, 34-17, the Chiefs are uh, too good for the Rebels, a depleted Chiefs side, because uh, they left out uh, all the superstars. Sure about the crowd size, uh, I looked at it and I thought, it's probably okay actually, uh, 44-25, I thought that a lot of people might sort of turn their back on it, maybe the fact that there are a lot of uh, people who uh, actually support the jersey as opposed to the players, a uh, nice feel that, if that is the case, um, and um, uh, happy to be patient, uh, waiting for those uh, All Blacks to come back later on in the season, but not a good look, I, I still we talked about it in the, the Boozer actually over the weekend, I mean, why... Why not put your best players in front of your home fans? Mm. 34-28, the Crusaders to beat the Blues. 34-28, Crusaders beating the Blues. Um, that was uh, the game of the weekend. I think the one that everyone was looking forward to. Didn't uh, disappoint. Uh, Highlanders 43-35. Brumby 62 gave Moana Pacifica uh, a bit of a taste, a touch up, didn't they? 62-36. Uh, and then the Fijian Drua, who simply won't go away this year. They are some side, don't worry about that. And uh, they almost came back and got the job done against the Reds, just missing out 27-24. So plenty to talk about with uh, Sky Television's Jeff McTainch. Jeff, good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. How are you? Oh, I'm really good, man. Uh, you were busy over the weekend. I uh, hope you got time to have a look at uh, some of these other games that you weren't actually working on, but... Um, interesting, <laughs> Hurricanes 34, Hurricanes 34, uh, Waratah 17, Hurricanes with Artie back, just a, t a little bit too good. Yeah, mate, totally different side, and I think, um, you know, that showed they, they missed them the other week um, when Artie was, uh, had his suspension, and, and he just came back, and he was, he was uh, you know, he was all over them, so I think in the end he was the difference. Um, I'm continued to be impressed by Geordie Barrett, I think... Um, you know, he, he's continuing to grow into that role in the midfield. And I think in a year when um, you know, the All Blacks probably have the cards against them somewhat with the way that uh, the likes of Ireland and, and France are playing in the north, um, when you look at a guy like that, the way he's he's leading, not, not just the way he's playing, but I think the, the composure he's showing as a young man, I think he's really growing into his game. And 
and I think you know that's not just encouraging for the Hurricanes, but that's that's certainly encouraging for the All Blacks in, a, in, a, in what is a World Cup year. But uh, no, you're right. I think Kenny Naholo um, came on two tries. Uh, you know, he was he was outstanding as well. Obviously, his brother has pedigree. Um, the, the family do, but um, it, it's it's a, it's an interesting environment, isn't it, Smithy? You know, you, you you throw a guy. I mean, he was at, he was at the Crusaders, Kenny, um, and, and then he. He transfers to the Hurricanes, and and all of a sudden, uh, you know, he's he's playing that kind of rugby with that freedom um, that we have seen before. I mean, you've seen him a lot at, at Hawks Bay. You know, you know, you know the the, the pedigree he has. So um, I think uh, it, it just needed to be transferred to the right environment. And, and as I say, alluding to guys like Geordie Barrett, when you when you're around guys like that, um, you, you get the best out of them. So. Uh, interesting start to the Hurricanes for, for the season. A, a mixed old bag, but having Artie back was huge. Um, and, and look, you know, short odds for him being, to, to be honest, player of the season again. So, no, a good win for them. So, uh, just before we let the Hurricanes go, um, 9 and 10, Roy Gard and Cameron coming together in a promising fashion for you? Yeah, they are. Look, I think they'll, they'll get a lot back. Um, with with TJ uh, down down the stretch, um, but, but I think Roygaard again in the same fashion with with Kenny, he's he's, he's been given a license. Um, you know, he's played well for counties and he's come in and and um, he, he's he's doing well. Brett Brett's come back. I mean, he had a bit, bit of time overseas. Um, and there's another player who is probably being told, look, you know, you, you were good enough to make the All Blacks. You played Test match, so. Let's get back to playing, you know, the footy you enjoy. And he's, um, I think he's starting to control the game well. Bear in mind, too, I mean, when you're playing inside a guy like Geordie Barrett, it certainly helps. So um, no, they, I think they're going well as a combo. But as I say, once TJ comes back into the fold, that'll just add another gear to, um, to the game. OK, let's uh, head down to uh, Hamilton where the Chiefs uh, comfortably beat the Rebels. I think that was predictable that they were, uh, were going to win there. Uh, a little disappointed that they rested um, uh, some of their superstars in front of their home fans, but uh, I guess Clayton McMillan thinks uh, down the track is more important. Uh, Sean Stevenson, how hot? How hot start to the season for him? Oh, he's been amazing. He's been outstanding, and I, I think that's another example of a guy who has been um, he's been building nicely for some time. You know, he, he, it's not um, it's not you know it's not the first we've seen of Sean Stevenson in this kind of form, and I think. Um, it all bodes well for you know, the international calendar as well. I think if you're going to pick someone and um, Will Jordan's not right, um, I think the All Blacks have to roll the dice a little bit this game, mate. Like, and, and you might agree, you might not on, on some on some of the selections. But I think when you know you're not the favourite going into a rugby world cup, you kind of have to go. Well, let's let's roll the dice. Let's give a guy a go because I think. Sean Stevenson is not just rolling the dice, he's earned the right to play for the All Blacks. And I think the way he's playing at the moment, I'd have him right in there. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, he continues to impress with the Chiefs. I mean, the Rebels, um, you know, perhaps didn't offer the, the sort of opposition uh, in terms of defence that you would have wanted. But, um, you know, there were Wallabies throughout that that uh, that Rebels side as well. And you look at likes of Reese Hodge and, and Co. So, you know, I think. Um, the way that they played, uh, although, as you say, they rested stars, um, Clayton's picking and choosing his, his, uh, his matches to, to, to do that, and I think um, they played really well. But no, I think Sean Stevenson um, expect to see him in a black shirt later on in the year. 
Uh, just um, uh, you're you, uh, mixing the right circles, Jeff. Uh, what's the latest on Will Jordan? Have you heard much coming out of the Crusaders? I haven't heard anything lately, but as far as I'm aware, he's still sort of, I think it's still a week-by-week kind of scenario with him, but um, you hope that, you know, he's back soon. I, I don't think he is the kind of player that will take long to um, to his strike again. Um, but as I say, it's not something you want to um, you want to take sort of second chances on. So, yeah, I think they just have to give it all the time that they can. Right, OK, let's get to the one that I think we were all looking forward to with uh, a, a bit of relish at the weekend, and that was the Blues uh, Crusaders. Uh, Crusaders, a lot of players out, including Will Jordan, of course. Uh, Blues on their home patch, uh, looking to turn around what happened last year in the grand final. Couldn't do it again. The Crusaders just too tough, 34-28. Man, that was a, that was a heck, heck of a game of footy. Like, I... Um, I really enjoyed that we were down in Invercargo. It was the first night we came down here for the for the Highlanders game, and um, we were watching them in the bar. And I thought, yeah, it was just an outstanding spectacle. Great night in Auckland, good crowd at Eden Park. Look to me, and I said it after the game. I, I, I was just in awe of of the way that Sam Whitelock continues to get better. You know, the guys played 100 and odd, 40 odd Test matches, and I just think he. He, he looks like a guy who's 20 years of age that's just come out of of, of, of varsity, or you know, he's just just made his NPC debut. The, the way he the way he goes uh, the full 80, the way he gets himself uh, in position to to steal ball and and, and put his rig around the park and get into the dark places. I'm just um, I think every every young person that's playing rugby can look to to someone like Sam Whitelock and be inspired because it's just amazing what he does. Um, so. In the end, I think probably the Blues, you know, and Leon McDonald alluded to it at the end, they, they probably left a couple of tries out there where, you know, just a little bit of patience, um, holding the ball a bit more um, and exercising a bit of composure probably probably would have steered them across the line. But in the end, as I say, just the, the dogged nature of the Crusaders and, and able to... Um, Get players to the to, to the breakdown on on mass uh, and um, and turn ball over has I think been one of their strengths and I think you've seen it across the competition a lot of play a lot of teams are playing with a high tempo of attack but probably at times just not um, not committing enough numbers uh, in, in support to clean and 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 they're being exposed um, and that's one it's always been one of the strengths of the Crusaders they've always been very very good of timing that timing that attack of uh, of the breakdown and pinching ball so. I was very impressed. Um, I thought Richie Maunga had a really good game for the Crusaders as well. Um, Bowden Barrett, uh, you know, he, he continues to um, he continues to kick a lot of ball, and I'm just not too sure at the moment. Um, this isn't anything against Bowden Barrett the way he's playing, but I just wonder whether the, the Blues attacks in two minds on occasion as to how they want to how they want to play. And um, the Crusaders will do that too. Obviously, they always keep you in two minds the way they do things. I thought Roger Tu versus Jack. Continues to grow. He had, had one of his better games too. He's he's um, another player who I, I just think's got a bit more license at the moment. Um, that try he scored was sort of um, a la uh, RTS when he was playing for the Warriors, bit of league fashion the way he ran inside the 22. So um, encouraging signs. Mark Delia continues to impress. Caleb Clark had a good game. Um, hell of a battle. And I, I think um, when when you look at it, it could be a um, it could throw down the track to what we might see later on down in the playoffs and maybe the final. 
12 months ago, a lot of people were talking about Lester Whanganuku and uh, they were thinking uh, he could have uh, quite a strong all-black career. It hasn't come to pass just yet, but um, every indication that he hasn't given that idea away on that performance the other night. Oh, he was very good. He was very good. He was outstanding um, to score, you know, to score three tries and, um, and and play the way he did. I mean, a couple of those tries were, were sort of on the end of the chain, but um, he's one of those guys, maybe that, you know, not, not only can he finish, but he, he draws defenders. So he's always a threat. He can play multiple positions. Um, and uh, and you're right, you know, he's, he's had big rats on him for a long time. I, I think... What can happen on occasion with young players is they they, they ascend to the great heights and uh, and play for the All Blacks and then um, yeah maybe they have what they call the second year syndrome or what have you but I think um, he's a kind of player that uh, will have bottled all of that learning and and uh, and I think what we're starting to see now again kind of like players like Brett Cameron and others that I've spoken about that have had those experiences. You play a little bit more rugby, you have a bit more of a life experience and you kind of come back and go, well, what is it that I enjoy about the game? Why am I playing the game? And you start relaxing and, and getting back into the to the form that, um, that's for your ride. So I think we're starting to see that with, with Leicester. He's in a great environment and um, and certainly he'll be encouraged to, to play his natural game by, by Scott Robinson. So, um, no, great to see him score a few and, and um, he certainly went a long way to, to, to handing the Crusaders the win. Jeff, it's not very often you uh, would assume that uh, Ian Foster and Scott Robertson are on the same wavelength and agree on too much at all, to be perfectly honest. But I think uh, they would uh, be very, very mutual in their their gratitude that Ethan Blackout is back. Well, 100%, absolutely. And I'm just pleased to see him back playing footy because I know he's had his issues with injury and, and whatnot. And he's the kind of guy that... The All Blacks need, you know, he's 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 a, he's a different kind of loose forward. You know, we've got we've got ball playing loose forwards. We've got you know, loose forwards that can carry. Um, I think Ethan he he brings, um, and I, I hate saying this, but he's kind of the old school kind of guy that you need there, the grafter. He makes a hell of a lot of tackles. He doesn't mind doing the dirty stuff, um, and, and he he can do all that stuff I said as well. He can carry. He can play with the ball. Um, but he has got an engine and he's the kind of guy that I think when you're coming up against the Northern Hemisphere sides later on this year that you want in your team because um, he, he, he will go to war, he will hit the front line, he he never takes a backward step and he'll, he'll play till he's injured. That's the kind of guy he is. So um, great to see him back and, um, and, and, you know, not only that, great to see him back playing some good rugby. Um, Jeff, uh, you called the one uh, in, in the Cargill, as you said. Highlanders 43 35 over the force. Uh, they got their win, but the force didn't go away. No, it was a, it's been a good weekend in Avicago. Um It was great to see Super Rugby back at Rugby Park for the first time in four odd years. A good crowd came out. Um, the weather closed in somewhat, but in the end, I, I think, you know, despite the fact that 11 tries were scored, the um, yeah, I think Billy Harmon said it best at the end. He was questioned as to whether you know he was upset that they leaked a couple of tries in the last few minutes, and he said, "Well, we just got the win, and that was all they needed to do in the end just to, to, to get a win." Um, they lost Cannon Frizzell before the warm-up was completed, which was um, just devastating. I mean, they've already lost 15, 14 odd players. Fabian Holland and Andrew Makaleo left the field during the game. I mean, their locking department is has been absolute... I mean, Tom Donnelly's probably going to come back and play lock, let's be honest. I mean, they've lost 
so many players. It wouldn't surprise me. Ben Smith's probably going to get the boots on uh, and play again. So uh, just the, the fact that you know they've lost you know half of their squad really, um, and to come out and, and put a performance on against a, a four side that, uh, that does contain a few wallabies, I thought was um, was good for them. You know, and, and they'll build from here. They've got the drawer next week uh, at Forsyth Park Stadium in Dunedin. So. Um, the only way really is, I think I said at the start of the game, the only way for the Highlanders is up. They blooded a few new players. Um, Cam Miller, uh, albeit they only got a couple of minutes, came on. Ollie Haig and, um, and Finn Hurley as well. So, look, not all is lost for the Highlanders. I mean, they had a tough start to the season. Blues, Crusaders, Chiefs, um, they've got one on the board. They've got an opportunity next weekend against a fairly unpredictable Drew side at home uh, in Dunedin. So, you know what it's like, Smitty. It's just a momentum game. You start you start winning, becomes a habit. Um, they'll start getting players back through the course of the season as well. Um, so, um, you know, and I was impressed too. I mean, like Aaron Smith, there's been a lot of pressure placed on his shoulders um, to, to sort of turn this team around. But the, the way some of the sort of more experienced kids in the team played last last uh, yesterday afternoon, I was, I was impressed. You Renton had a good game. I thought Sam Gilbert stood up, Jonah Lowe. He's come come down with big rats on him. He played well. Borgato played well on the wing too um, and actually showed his ability to, to carry and um, and get to good areas of the park as well, not not the finishing wing. So I was very impressed. Um, and just finally, of course, uh, being down in the deep south with Wilson and Marshall um, <laughs> and, jo- and, and, and Wheeler, I would imagine you, you didn't even have to put your hand in your pocket down there. To be fair, uh, Marshy was uh, Marshy headed back to Queenstown, so he was an early he was an early scratching. Uh, Joey Wheeler headed back to Dunedin, so he was an early scratching. Um, so in the end, it was just a wee bit of the crew. Uh, and well, Gold, Goldie though did turn up. Goldie turned up a bit later on in the piece and had a had a cold one. So um, it was all it was all in the end fairly tame, to be fair. But I do I do I do have to say a big shout out to the. Um, to the food vendors at uh, Rugby Park because uh, the blue cod buns were smoothie were absolutely outstanding. It was the best fish I've had in, in years. It was oh. unbelievable. So big big credit to them. It was outstanding. My God, South Island blue cod. <laughs> now you've got me. Fo- now you've got me focused. Uh, Jeff Jeff McTainch, uh, wonderful uh, wonderful review of the weekend, uh, mate. Appreciate it. Uh, carry on the great work you're doing. Thank you. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, mate. Cheers, uh, Jeff McTainch there from Sky Sport called that game uh, in in Vicargo yesterday. It is ten uh, twenty here on SCNZ. The panel. Jamie Wall with us this morning, and uh, Ollie Ritchie, two uh, really big rugby men um, in their own right. Uh, I'll give bragging rights to you, uh, Ollie, although you both deserve them this morning. Uh, first of all. Uh, Crusaders and the Blues at Eden Park and uh, when the backs are against the wall they usually turn up and they did again the Crusaders Yeah they certainly did Morning to you Smithy, morning Jamie um, It was a great game wasn't it like, if, if you just think about it from a, purely from a rugby perspective it lived up to the billing it lived up to the hype and you know, in a lot of ways it's what the final last year should have been or, or what many hoped it, it, it would have been um, but it, it was a a, a pretty clinical display from the Crusaders, I thought, um, and saying that the Blues should have done a lot more with the ball they had in the second half, and they had a lot of opportunities to cross, and, and they did cross twice but couldn't ground it. So I think the, the Blues will be ruining um, some missed opportunities in that game, but certainly 
Uh, that was an important win for the Crusaders, um, you know, starting the season with, with two losses and last week's one to the Drua, in particular, a, a bit of a shock. Um, they needed that, and, and that was an important win um, for their season. So, yeah, a, a great spectacle all round, and, um, yeah, Razor will be pretty happy down in, down in Christchurch. Uh, any standouts for you um, that you that you picked up on, Ollie? Um, I mean, Sam Whitelock, uh, as we talked about before, just continues to grow a leg, which is unbelievable. Um, black out of yeah. back. Um, you know, it just, just looked like there was one or two really big boys standing up there. Yeah, completely agree. Sam Whitelock just continues to deliver. I thought Ethan Black at his start to the season has just been immense. He's really powerful with ball in hand. Like we know what he's what he can do at the breakdown and, and the menace he can be at the breakdown and how he can disrupt that ball. But he's turned himself into a really powerful ball runner. Uh so I think that will be catching Ian Foster's attention. I thought Mark Talea again uh was a standout. I mean no one should be scoring that first try he did. You know, if you look back, he's you know about halfway. He's got about three men on him, and he just bumped them all off and ends up scoring. So, I mean, he he just continues to shine this year, doesn't he? So, um, yeah, I actually thought Dallas McLeod had a, had a pretty good game in the midfield, and and Lester Fanganuku mm. was was back to his best as well. Um, you know, and he kind of needed that game as well. You know, we know what he can do, but he was probably pretty quiet last year, and and limited opportunities for the All Blacks. So that was a good game from him. Um, so yeah, Lester and, and Mark Belayer. Um, among yeah, White Lock and Blackadder probably the standouts for me. Okay, uh, Jamie Wall, uh, you've got bragging rights as well because uh, your Hurricanes uh, turned up against the Waratahs in a sort of convincing fashion. Uh, what did you make of the weekend Super Rugby? Yeah, morning, guys. Um, well, I think the Canes got what they wanted out of that game, which was a, a reasonably comfortable win. It was. There were moments in that game, but I don't think there were enough to call it a great game. It wasn't a bad one, uh, but it just kind of didn't have the continuity that you need that we saw on Saturday night at Eden Park. Um, however, those that, like I said, that sort of game is exactly the ones that the, the Canes just want to have the have the Aussie team come over. Uh, give them a touch-up, get out of there without any sort of main um, injury concerns. My biggest takeaway from that, though, is that the, the Hurricanes have Salisi Rayasi and Kenny Naholo, um, two really, really promising young guys. Rayasi we know a lot about. He he had a big season last year. Uh, and they only seem to want to play one of them at a time. And I'm just sort of starting to question. I, you know, it seems a bit harsh because Julian Sevilla had uh, you know, a pretty glaring error that led to Nemanja Nem- Dendolo's. Um, try, but it's like, how long are you going to persist with this guy? He's 31 years old now, um, and there's some good young guys in a, in a position in New Zealand anyway, where you want good young players. Um, and um, and yeah, obviously just echoing all his thoughts about the game on um, Saturday night, it, it lived up to the hype that we were trying to build around it. Um, it's two really good teams playing really good rugby, but I think the Blues should actually be really disappointed with the way that that, that finished. Um, there was only one Richie Mawanga penalty goal scored in that, I think it was the last half hour of the of the match. And the Blues had plenty of ball um, to be able to, to turn that around. Yep, they got over the line a couple of times. Uh, but honestly, like with the amount of ball and territory they had, they should have actually run, won that one running away. So um, they, they, they decided to just go straight up the middle and um, play right into the um, Crusaders' hands, which, uh, you know, if there's one thing the Crusaders are good at, it's bending but not breaking. Um, so real credit to them. And but I think out of all the players you said that uh, had had big games, I think no one really needed that result more than Scott Robertson. 
um, because, you know, one more loss to him and all of a sudden his campaign to become All Black coach is looking really shaky because if there's one gig in the world which is runs on the what have you done for me lately principle, it's coaching. So, yeah, um, it was a testament. Um, I mean, Leicester Whanganuku's quick, Mark Talia's quick, but I'll tell you what, they weren't as quick as uh, Ollie and the rest of the uh, media um, afterwards to get up and shake Scott Robertson's hand after that game. I'll tell you what, he's still popular uh, down the media room. <laughs> <laughs> Very good that you noticed that. Uh, hey, look, it's 10.31. Uh, Ollie Ritchie, Jamie Wall with us uh, this morning. We'll, we'll come back very shortly. We have some news uh, with Araha, and then we might look at uh, the Six Nations because that is uh, all done and dusted, and that's a good guide to what's coming up at the end of the year. The Opinions, the panel. All right, Jamie Wall, Ollie Ritchie with us this morning, and let's turn our attention to uh, Six Nations Rugby. First time we've mentioned it this morning, but a, a terrific guide. And I think, uh, Ollie Ritchie, just confirmation of what we know um, coming up to the end of the year. You never write England off, but Ireland, super impressive in their clean sweep, and France, the other two teams at the moment. Yeah, I agree with that, Smithy. I think uh, I think it was a much improved performance from England. Um, mind you, it was hard to get a lot worse than what they put out the week before against France. So, um, yeah, can never write off England, but it just sort of reaffirmed what we knew coming out of the North was that Ireland and France are, are the two heavy hitters, the two powerhouses, and um, will be uh, a real chance of going deep at the World Cup. Um, now, unfortunately, given World Rugby uh, determined to make the Rugby World Cup draw like three years out from the World Cup, um, we've ended up with uh, quite a few of the best teams on the same side of the draw, so that's a shame. But um, yeah, I think certainly, um, you know, I, I've said it for a while that I think Ireland uh, should be the favourites for the World Cup. I think, um, and I take into account that you know France have a, a, a history of sort of crumbling uh, when it really matters, and, and particularly with the weight of expectation being their home World Cup. Um, so I think Ireland, uh, you know, just kind of reaffirmed their. Um, their favourites tag or, or the tag of being one of the favourites for the World Cup. Um, but again, it's sort of what we already knew, right? Like, we got this indication, you know, in July last year when they came and touched up the All Blacks at home. Um, it's uh, it's going to be an incredibly competitive World Cup. But those two teams will be right near uh, the, the top of the list to go deep. Absolutely. Uh, Jamie, what did, what did you make of it now that it's uh, all over this time around? I have to be honest, I was expecting a, a, some sort of seismic shift uh, in this year's Six Nations because it's, it tends to happen uh, in every every World Cup year that someone kind of bombs out uh, and, um, during the Six Nations and and then someone gets really good. I think the last time it was Wales that, that, that did that. They'd come from kind of out of nowhere to win the Six Nations um, in 2019 and then go on to have quite a deep... World Cup run, which was also, to be fair, a lot down to more sort of luck than than anything else. But it, that, that didn't happen this time around. I mean, if anything, it just sort of went the other way. Wales are actually worse than what we thought. Warren Gatlin hasn't managed to do anything with them at all, other than beat Italy. Um, and there were some, there was, there was a bit of talk coming out that Italy were were the dark horses and were going to cause a couple upsets. That didn't that didn't end up happening. Although their games were probably a bit closer than what they what they usually are. And Scotland just sort of did what Scotland always does, which is um, talk themselves up deluxe and then lose the big games that counted. Although they did pull off a really good one um, at Twickenham in the, in the first round. So, yeah, it, it just sort of 
maybe established a bit more daylight between Ireland and France and everyone else. Um, and like, but like Ollie alluded to, uh, you know, the, those two teams are on the same side as the draw as the All Blacks and the Springboks, and so therefore only one out of those four teams is going to make the World Cup final. So, if I were an English fan, I'd be pissed off because you know I'd be expecting more out of a program that has as many resources and as much money as they do. But uh, if if the World Cup is your be all and end all um, around that team, they've still got a really decent shot to kind of pull things together and um, uh, and and go deep uh, in that tournament. So yeah. Uh, it's been pretty good to watch. I think the the first couple of rounds were, were definitely like really some really pulsating rugby. It kind of flattened out a bit towards the end. Like a lot of the narrative um, out of that England Island game has been around Freddie Stewart's red card, which I don't think he can really have too many complaints over. Um, I don't think it really affected the result of the game. I think the, the Island would have won by about that margin anyway. Uh, but. Uh, and I think that the most ominous thing about Ireland is that they are, they are playing at about the same sort of level and intensity that they were when they came to New Zealand last year and cleaned up the All Blacks. And what is what I've picked up from them anyway is that they don't really seem to care about the way any other their opposition plays. They're not adapting to them. They've got their own game that they they are fine tuning to just stay one one step ahead of everyone else. And that's what we expect out of the All Blacks. And if they can go in still being that yard ahead at the World Cup, then, yeah, they are favourites and they should win it. Right, OK, let's um, turn our attention to them Warriors, shall we? Them Warriors. So what are we thinking about them uh, Warriors all of a sudden, uh, Ollie Ritchie, and winning games they wouldn't have won last year and Tohu Harris celebrating his 200th match? Yeah, definitely, definitely winning games they wouldn't have won last year. It feels like there's like a bit more heart about this team that they kind of are playing for a bit of a purpose. And unfortunately, that game was on at the same time as the the Blues Crusaders game. So you know, Jamie and I were sitting in the press box at at Eden Park. I was kind of following along on my phone. And um, but you know, having watched uh, that game since, I think yeah, I, I'm just seeing a, a bit of energy and a bit of heart about this Warriors team. Um, that you know, hasn't been there under Nathan Brown, and it feels like Andrew Webster's got them in a really good place. Um, you know, Sean Johnson kind of turning back the clock a little bit and, and playing some pretty decent footy. Uh, and, and saying that, you know, it's only three rounds in, right? So, you know, the proof of of how much progress this team is is going to come over the next few weeks. You know, can they sustain that level of performance? You know, or are they going to, you know, fall away like we've seen Warriors teams do in the past? So, you know. Great to get a, a win in Townsville against the, the Cowboys, which is is not easy. But you know they're going to come up against you know the Panthers, the, the Storm, the Rabbitohs, all those sorts of teams. And you know are they going to be able to push them, or, or when it comes to those big boys, are they going to fall away again? So positive signs, absolutely. And and you know three rounds in, um, you know two wins, one loss. That's a, a pretty good start to the year. Um, and so they can be pretty happy down in Penrose. But yeah, I think. Um, the, the proof will be whether they can sustain that uh, o- over the next few weeks um, or, you know, whether in a couple of months' time we're going to be sitting here having the, the same sort of conversations that we've had over the last few years was that, you know, a Warriors team sort of looked at to be full of promises has fallen away again, but certainly a, a pretty decent start to the season. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty decent, all right, uh, Jamie. Um, really, uh, speaking, uh, it's not something... 
uh, I predicted to see this kind of a turnaround. Mind you, I didn't see the Dolphins 3-0 either. No, that, you're exactly right. I don't think... I, I don't think the Warriors are the only story that surprised people um, so far uh, this season. Again, though, it's three rounds. It's a 25-round regular season. Like Ollie said, we'll assess this at a more appropriate time. But it is still cool to see them winning. Don't get me wrong. Like The Warriors needed a kickstart. Well, I did touch on something, though, that is kind of another issue uh, that is right in front of us at the moment. So... That game on Saturday night was directly against the Blues, which who are in the, obviously the same city as, as the Warriors are. This Sunday, the Warriors are on at the same time as the Blues, both playing home games. Now, this is a kind of an interesting development for me because in, in the past, the Warriors have always tried to kind of avoid, or at least the NRL has tried to avoid putting them on at the same time. There's been the inevitable clash every now and then, but this feels a lot more deliberate. Um, in the way they're doing it. I know that there's obviously cricket on this weekend in Eden Park, so this, the, the Blues game had to be on, on Sunday. Uh, but the ima- looking at the draw, the amount of Warriors games that are directly competing um, for the eyeballs of Super Rugby fans um, is quite uh, quite noticeable. It, it, sh- it signals a real shift um, in thinking from um, the NRL around the way that they're broadcasting the Warriors and selling them. So I'd be really interested to see uh, what the crowd figures are at uh, Eden Park and Mount Smart this Sunday and also what the viewing figures are. Not that we'll even know, um, but you know that's another kind of narrative uh, because the Warriors aren't just competing against um, other teams in the NRL. They're competing against um, other things that are happening in New Zealand for, for fans. And I feel like they're doing a pretty damn good job of, of keeping um, those eyeballs and bums on seats uh, where they are. Absolutely right. Um, couldn't agree more. Uh, great start, promising start, um, and uh, it's all positive at the moment. Gentlemen, uh, thanks very much for your review of the weekend. Jamie Wall there with us, and uh, Ollie Ritchie both smiling uh, this Monday morning in terms of their uh, particular franchises. Have, have a terrific day, gents, and thanks for your input. It's 10.42 here on SNZ. Loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. <laughs> right, Louis Herman, what with a difference now? Uh, he was at uh, the racing over the weekend, the Sale GP, and uh, he caught up with uh, Pete Burling, who was uh, second, of course, to Team Canada. Well, well done for getting the event sorted and getting it done and dusted. Um, down to Phil Robertson, another Kiwi, ironically, in a Canadian vest in the final, but you bet the Aussies home. What's, your, what's the vibe, what's the mood, what are your honest feelings right now? Yeah, well, I think in some ways we're, we're absolutely stoked and ecstatic and in some ways we're obviously a little bit gutted and didn't quite swing our way. You know, I definitely could have there for a little while. You know, we felt like you know, they, they obviously got the best start down the inside and you know, we kind of controlled the, the other side of the course. So, you know, we felt like we were just neck and neck the whole way through. And, you know, they did a really good job defending um, and you've got to give them some credit for that. How close were you? Can you talk us through it like for us that aren't quite a fay with the exact dynamics of um, how close it was out there? Were you, for how much of the race, in kind of earshot of being able to snatch it? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I think they did a good job of positioning their boat to, to block us and, you know, uh, still need to go back and have a look at the last run, to be honest. Obviously, they got that uh, boundary penalty um, and, yeah, to me, it didn't really look like they, they lost anywhere near what they should have. So it's, um, yeah, one that... 
obviously go back and have a bit of review and try and make sure you can maximise that for yourself next time. Did you feel like you guys worked the course well? Did you understand where the wind was? And yesterday, obviously, or the first day of sailing, you were um, really flying. What about today? Were you happy and comfortable with where you were on the course? Yeah, I think we got some really good lanes. Um, you know, I felt like the boat was going really fast. Obviously, tough again with a really limited build-up. Um, you know, it's been a weird week that we just have had almost zero sailing uh, coming into these races. So, you know, to just throw the team in the deep end and for them to perform like we did, I think it's something that yeah, we've got to be pretty pretty pleased of and yeah, definitely should put us in good stead moving forward. All of you drivers have said the same thing about that, the lack of practice. Um, I understand, and I think most of us understand, how valuable the crafts are and, and why. But realistically, can you keep pushing boundaries if you don't get more time practicing and using races to learn these boats? Is that the best interest of the teams? Yeah, well, to be honest, at the end of the day, a lot of it is a logistical thing. (laughs) You know, the boats have to get from event to event around the world. And, you know, definitely for the established teams, I think it's absolutely fine. Um, It's definitely... You know, I think the league's going to have to figure out how to to get new people into the league and get them up to speed without kind of giving them a massive unfair advantage at the same time. So, no, it's um, yeah, I think the current format with the current teams works incredibly well, but you know, there's definitely a few little things to work through. Okay, well, we're nearly at the end of season three, and um, more importantly, second, it's a good result. You're, you're right there, not quite. Well, I don't know. Would you say you're comfortable to make that final, or are you still looking over your shoulder? Yeah, I think we're definitely stoked that um, yeah we managed to get a couple of points on on both the British and the French, and yeah, definitely a lot comfortable, more comfortable than we were. Um, you know, that's obviously the main goal for the team. We're obviously, winning events, but you also make sure we give ourselves that shot at winning the season at the, the end of it. So yeah, to get a few extra points, give ourselves that little bit more margin going to San Fran's yeah, really cool. But yeah, at the end of the day, you've got to be performing well there to to win the final. So yeah, we definitely want to be putting our best foot forward in San Fran. Awesome, mate. Congratulations again. It's an epic event. I hope you got to see the punters loving it. They were um, they were absolutely loving it. So well done. Thanks, man. Yes, Louis Herman Watt there in race mode, but a different race mode. And uh, we'll catch up with Louis tomorrow morning and review the weekend it was in racing because uh, he'll have a lot of opinions on some wonderful performances on both sides of the Tasman. It is uh, 10.51 here. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yep. We're going to get to Paul Mawada very shortly, but I just got a text from Carl, so I've done. I've ignored it all weekend because I'm just not interested. But uh, Live Golf Tucson individual uh, stake money twenty million dollars, twenty million dollars leader at this point, tied for first. D Lee, New Zealand. Danny Lee leading in the twenty million dollar Live tournament uh, with Louis Oosthuizen, um, Carlos Ortiz, Brandon Steele. Uh, they're the four guys um, <laughs> who have uh, got the lead. Yes, Danny Lee um, leading in Live Golf. $20 million um, up for grabs there. Staggering. Uh, Paul Moati with us. Uh, hopefully Paulie's with us. Uh, got the thumbs up. Yeah, I guess, Paul, uh, you're watching, speaking of golf, you're watching uh, the Valspar at the moment. Interesting finish there. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're down to the final pairing and they're... Uh on the 18th green, um, and, but the clubhouse leader at 10 under, Taylor Moore, he's now a dollar one to win the Valspar. Uh, Adam Schenk, who has a lengthy par putt uh, to join him at 10 under in the clubhouse, he's currently $26 to win the Valspar. And Jordan Spieth, who has a birdie putt, uh, and it's quite a lengthy one as well, uh, to get the 10 under and also join Taylor Moore. So, uh, Taylor Moore sitting pretty in the clubhouse at 10 under, just waiting for Schenk and Spieth to putt. 
Um, they are very, well, they look like, what, 25, 25 mm. footers, 30 footers. Um, so, uh, yeah, a couple of big, big putts for those boys. Um, just having a look, we've taken a $10,000 bet on the Brisbane Broncos to beat the Dolphins this weekend. And Brizzy up there, the top of the table clash, 1v2, Broncos, Dolphins. Who, who would have thought we'd be saying that? Uh, in the NRL this season. But there they are. They're at the top of the table. And in the top four, along with them, at the moment, the New Zealand Warriors, uh, who are at home at Mount Smart for the first time this season, taking on the Bulldogs. The bookies can't separate them. They're $1.87 the pair. But money on the Warriors. The faithful are back. It's our season. It's our year. Uh, and they're back in the <laughs> Warriors at $1.87, Smitty. Oh, God, uh, fully in the course of Super Rugby as well. There's some interesting ones over the weekend, but uh, the Crusaders getting home, eh, at Eden Park? Yep, that's right. And um, don't forget the Black Caps, of course. Uh, they're mm. down there at the Basin trying to wrap up the second test against the Sri Lankans. I think the Sri Lankans are four down now uh, after, uh, in their second innings uh, with the Fiwan. Um, but we don't want any more money on the Black Cap Sri Lanka at 251 to win the draws at $27 Okay, brilliant, yeah, they are too you're right uh, Paul, thanks very much for that 118 for 4 uh, Sri Lanka in their second inning, so they've lost two quick wickets this morning uh, one to um, Blair Tickner uh, one to Matt Henry so a wicket apiece for the Seamers it is uh, coming up to 11 o'clock and of course at 11.03 on Mondays, there's only one appointment we have especially during the NRL season and that's an appointment with Vossi across the Tasman just finishing up his show with Brandy Alexander and he'll be with us shortly uh, time for us to head to the news with Aroha Smeaters out from the try line again into acting half first receiver is Johnson holds it up gets it out the back door there's Tavanga runs onto a ball sent to him on a plate by Walker, and it was just superb play. He scores just beside the post. It's Pompey. Pompey trying to run over one, almost loses his jersey, and Cossie's got it on the right side. Cossie gets it, and Cossie has scored in the corner. There was a bit of work to do, and he gets there in the corner with a wonderful dive to dot it down. From Chad Townsend, still opting to go down the left, and there's Montoya again. Wunderbar! Sensational for Montoya! He has been a man mountain down the left side in this clash and he's in to score again. But it has been a wholehearted team performance here by the Warriors as the clock counts down and the Townsville fans are disappointed. But the Warriors fans, they are over the moon and it is win number two in season 2023. It's Townsville. After 80 minutes of tough football, they have five tries to two, and they win this one in round three, 26-12. The one New Zealand Warriors, eh? they now sit fourth on the NRL ladder after thrilling and convincing 26-12 win over the North Queensland Cowboys. That was against the odds. That result sees the end of an 11-month losing streak in Australia for our Warriors, and we say that very proudly. And judging by the words of inspirational captain Tohu Harris, their newfound mental toughness can be attributed to the work of the new head coach, Andrew Webster. So let's get into what was another stellar weekend of the NRL. Uh, Vossi on Mondays, it's uh, always uh, a real highlight for us. 
and uh, we welcome the voice of uh, Rugby League, Andrew Voss, to our show. Good morning to you, sir. G'day, Smithy, and uh, the Suns never shone brighter um, on the Warriors. That uh, yeah, look, 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 I'll, I'll put it in perspective, and I've caught a lot of Warriors games, as you know, over the years. I mean, there's been uh, more scintillating attacking performances and dynamic and all of those things, but I reckon every Warriors fan listening right now will swap all of those great, you know, those days where they're absolutely on and Sean Johnson was scoring three tries and Connie Harrell and all of that, they would swap it to see what they did on Saturday every week because that was the win of a very good rugby league side. You know, the, the qualities, the, the ingredients of that win, if you can do that every week, you get to win far more games than you lose. They played the Cowboys. It was a hot day, you know. People would be thinking, oh, weather advantage, all of those sorts of things. The Cowboys did not score a point after the 14th minute. And the Warriors made just a couple of handling errors in the second half when you thought, oh, no, here they go again. Didn't drop their bundle. Game management, finish the game off, kick to the corners, all those things that the really good sides do, the Warriors did on Saturday. That was a really, a really good win by the Warriors and some may say one of their better ones in Australia. Okay, let's uh, start at the back and look at the the debutant, Tane uh, Tua Upiki. How did you feel he went against Tom Chester, if you lined them up? Well, look, both, I thought both fullbacks um, looked really accomplished. And it's a testament to the uh, Host Plus Cup, the, the Queensland Cup, um, the, the the foundation that they've obviously there. Um, Tua Upiki was one of the stars of that competition last year, uh, and he's brought that into NRL. I thought... What you want from your fullback, certainly, to give confidence to the blokes in front is under the high ball and kick returns, and he did all of those things. I thought a really, a, a very encouraging uh, first game in the NRL to the point where, you know, if there's any problems with Charles Nickel Cookstar, uh, there you go. Depth is proven. This bloke, um, this bloke looked very good. Right, OK. Then uh, let's look at um, a more experienced uh, player in Sean Johnson. Uh, what are you seeing there? I mean, you've called a zillion Sean Johnson games. Yeah. Well, we got a, bit, we got a mix of everything on um, Saturday because you saw some of the old Johnson, the skipping around the step, doesn't quite have the the, the speed of yesteryear, but that, that was good, that he would still back himself to keep defences guessing, but it was the game management factor that he often gets criticised for for not taking control of the side. He certainly did... Uh, the other day. Uh, mind you, with some pretty good uh, partners in crime, if I could use that expression, I mean, Tomate Martin was, was arguably the best player on the field. And then you've got the off-season recruits. Gee, as a package, the, the Warriors have signed the best players this year. Like, as a group, Barney, enormous difference on the left. His numbers were great the other day, and, and glad to hear there's no serious injury there. Baradaniya Kore is just a bruising... You know, rugby league play, you pick him every week in your 17. And Dylan Walker is the, is the quintessential number 14. You throw him out there in the middle, and he makes a difference every game he plays. So they've recruited really well, and, and those players are living up to the hopes and expectations of the team they've, they've joined. Tohu Harrison is uh, 200th. Oh, another Tohu Harris game. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could just you know, brush it by and say, well, it's just like he's other 199. Yeah, he doesn't. He, there's no alarming gap between best and worst with Toy. Just he doesn't have a worst. You know, there's nothing. You know, he he just is a contributor, and he is a leader. Um, and and he did that again. Plenty of touches, work rate high. Um, again, that's a nev- uh, that's another um, another area that the Warriors and I'm sounding 
full of hope today. I mean, that's another area they tick. I just think they have more leaders this year. Um, I, I just think with the players that they've signed, I think there's a little bit more on-field leadership. They don't all, you know, they don't have to have the C next to their name to be leaders. And I think the Warriors sort of had four or five, you know, on-field leaders from Vanilla Blake up front and co. Um, you know, I think I think that's also part of contributing to why Warriors fans should be feeling hopeful today. Well, the, the next opponent, um, I believe, is the Bulldogs, uh, 26-22 over the Tigers. So uh, is it conceivable? And at home, and at home, I must say, is it conceivable they just keep this run going against the Dogs? Oh, well, first of all, on behalf of the Warriors, I'll, I'll put out the call to arms today. I think this game is worthy of 20,000 plus. I've called the Bulldogs the last couple of weeks, Smithy, and when they get moving, they are really good to watch. Um, so they've won their last two matches, Canterbury, against Melbourne and the Tigers. Um, they've racked up some great tries in the process. So the Canterbury side coming to Auckland will be good to watch. And the Warriors are two wins on the board. Um, I think it's one of the games of the weekend. And around where there's some sensational fixtures, this one is not to be missed. Uh, I think an even money bet, really, based on the form I've seen of these uh, two sides so far this year. So bring it on. Great contest. Will be good entertainment. Right, uh, it started uh, way, way back on Thursday uh, with the Seagulls under, I say this, under new coach uh, Anthony Seabold, of course, because um, Des is gone. Um, how are you liking the Eagles? Oh, well, very good. Uh, oh, no, well, no, no, I'm not sure saying good, good rather than very good. Um, I think still a little bit to prove, but um, they're, they're making winning a habit. They, you know, won the pre-season challenge with the two wins there, and now they've come out with two wins and uh, and the buy as well. So uh, as far as results are concerned, good. But there's still obviously plenty of room for improvement. They could have lost that game the other night. I mean, Parramatta are sitting bottom of the table, but could could have won all three. I can't recall a team sitting last on the ladder has actually led in the second half of all three of their games, Parramatta of Leeds, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's mm. ridiculous. A team that made the grand final last year um, have, have sort of forgotten how to win. Uh, so they led in the first match and lost Golden Point. They didn't trail until the 83rd minute in round number one. They had the lead against the Sharks a number of times and lost in round two. And they hit the front five minutes into the second half against Manly. And you thought, well, you know, they'll, they'll get a move on. But they um very inconsistent within the, uh, the, the second 40 minutes. So Manly, good. Parramatta work to do. I don't know whether the gap between... Parramatta finding top form and where they're at right now is all that big, but it is pressure because the next two weeks they play Penrith and the Roosters. So they want to come good. You know, they, you know, zero and five becomes alarming, doesn't it? Quite obviously. Zero and three is a worry, but I don't think their form's terrible. Um, but if they, if they get to zero and five, then they've got, they've got serious problems. I think everyone was thinking that the Dolphins were a reasonable chance against the Knights, and then uh, they lost the lead on a couple of occasions. I thought, OK, here we go. They haven't probably got the wherewithal just yet to get themselves out of dicey situations. 36-20, completely overrunning them in the last 10, 15 minutes of the game. Five tries out wide to their wingers. Um, man, oh, yep. man. I mean, if you just flew in from Mars, this isn't an expansion team look, is it? <laughs> I like that. If you flew in from Mars, well, uh, you'd go straight to a rugby league game, quite obviously, if you did fly in from outer space, and you'd be pretty impressed. You'd be sticking around to watch another one. Uh, no, the Dolphins are playing uh, what some people are saying, uh, it's Wayne Bennett-style football. Like he, He's given a tough edge to the side already. Um, there's no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, we're not going to be, you know, we're going to just roll over. And they were competitive right from, you know, game one against the Roosters. 
And and all three games, I think they have... Well, it's been three sets of different conditions. You know, game one had all the emotion of their very first game. Game two, the awful weather and the wet and, and Simbin players and all that sort of thing. So they won there. And then against Newcastle, I actually did have them as favourites, but the way they finished off lived up to that expectation. You know, they, they, they won like a good side at the finish against Newcastle, who had a decent crowd in, um, got the crowd behind them because Newcastle hit the front after half-time. But, no, the Dolphins finished it off. Um, Kafusi will be a big loss for Friday night against the Broncos, but um, it'll be a pretty happy place to be at the moment, um, the Dolphins, back home this week. Uh, and looking at a 50,000-plus crowd at Suncorp Stadium on oh. Friday nights with you. How good's that? Unbelievable. That and, and that's sort of side that hardly really even know what home is, to be honest, Vossi, no. to be fair, uh, against yeah. uh, a side that does know where home is. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's just, it's, it is. Yeah, there's some, been some pretty good storylines already this season, but there's none better than the Dolphins. Uh, and I heard their CEO talking yesterday, you know, merchandise sales, memberships, <laughs> things are increasing by the week. Um, so, yeah, a feel-good um, story at the moment in rugby league is the Dolphins with this incredible 73-year-old Wayne Bennett at the helm. Well, they say it's the, the most bruising, uh, the game going into it with the most feeling uh, year after year, and that's the Roosters and the Rabbitohs. Roosters just uh, coming out on top there, 22-18. What you make of that, Bossy? Oh, yeah, and that was in front of over 36,000 Smithy, so it, it sort of had a cauldron-like atmosphere at Allianz, um, plenty of passion and, and moments. And Joey Manu, a try-saving play. I know he ended up with a, a suspension for a later tackle, but, yeah, there were some brilliant moments in that match. I mean, that was that was a semi-final in, uh, in March, really, the way it was played and the way these two teams go at each other. And the Roosters, um, look, I've got them, look, pre-season prediction, I had the Roosters as my number one team, but I think they're well short of their best. But the fact that they can win a big game like that, not at their best, I think, enforces my, uh, reinforces my opinion of them. I think they're, they're every bit of top four side this year, the Roosters. Uh, and that was a big game. And they, and they got the job done. So South Sydney came up a little short. Some of their big players, you know, like Cody Walker from the South Fairman, a little bit disappointed again. I think his temperament gets the better of him, not in a good way. Um, and the Roosters got the job done in a very big match. Vossi, every week uh, I write down the results before I talk to you just to give myself a bit of a revision. But And I always chuck exclamation marks against uh, what I believe to be the turn-up. Titans 38, Storm 34, yeah? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's happened now twice. I, I called the game a few years ago where the Titans, where Melbourne scored 36 points at Suncorp Stadium and still got beaten by the Titans, and now lightning strikes again. How can a Melbourne side score 34? If you told me... Uh, you know, on Friday going into the weekend, Melbourne's going to score 34 points against the Titans. Well, I'm actually putting my house on Melbourne that that would be a winning result. I'd be taking whatever odds because you say, Melbourne's scoring 34, they're going to win. Well, they didn't. I mean, Craig Bellamy will be beside himself um, that the team last week conceded 26 in 50 minutes against the Bulldogs. They were down 26 nil, and, and looking, you know, staring down the barrel at 40 or 50 the way the Bulldogs go. And then on the weekend, 38 against the Titans. Some of the tries coming directly off uh, Melbourne Storm horrific errors uh, either side of half-time. Uh, I'll stand by this assessment of Melbourne City. If they have their big four, and I call their big four Pappenhausen, Munster, Hughes and Grant. If they have their big four on deck every week, they're a chance of making the top four. If they have three of the four, 
they're, they're top eight. If they only have two of the four, I think they could miss the eight. And you throw in um, Nelson, Asafa, Solomona on the injured list and they lose their power man up front. And then you throw in their off-season losses of the Bromwich boys, Kafusi, Brandon Smith. The depth isn't there. So Melbourne need to be at full strength. Otherwise, they're in trouble. They should get past the Tigers this week. That'll be a win. But I think Saturday again highlighted, Melbourne is nowhere near the team they once were. Kevy Walters v Wayne Bennett. Um, that's a mouth-watering sort of matchup, isn't it? Uh, coaching against each other uh, on the back of a Broncos uh, pretty good performance against the Dragons. It might it might well be uh, quite a long season for the Dragons, I think. Well, they 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 were they were pretty good, but when you know when it got down to the the absolute you know business end of the game, they got their bundle. The Dragons and Anthony Griffin would be hoping that that's a a one-off that they're better than that. But it was alarming. I mean, the tries was a rush. If, if the game had gone another 10 minutes, the Broncos would have ended up, ended up with 60 on the board. So dominant were they in the championship minutes of that match. So, look, I'm not... Uh, you know, there's, there's enough positives out of the game for the Dragons, but it is alarming the way the game finished off. And they have only played the two games. They did have the bye first up. So let's hold our judgment on where the Dragons are at. As for the Broncos, they are a side with some real talent in it. Um, and some players that are well and truly on the way up. And you look at blokes like Ezra Mam, and you look at Reese Walsh, who looks an even better player now. He may be one of the quickest players in the game, over 10, 15 metres. Um, and Katoni Stagg's getting better. Uh, Selwyn Cobbo, you know, there's some brilliant young talent in that side. Um, Brisbane, I probably need to reassess. I didn't have in my eight. If I'm picking my eight now, I've got them as certainties. Right, okay. Um, just finally, uh, to sum it all up, uh, Ricky Stewart had something to smile about yesterday. Uh, they're getting up uh, 24-20 at home against the Sharks, who came back a bit too late. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, with, with uh, Royce Hutton, the Sin didn't. Suddenly, they, they score points as well. It was 24-10. They scored two tries, 24-20. Um, a fair bit to like about Canberra, because resilience, terrible broken jaw to Denny Levi, sadly in the opening minutes of play. I'm told, Smithy, they're having to send um, some staff out today to look for his teeth. They still haven't found his teeth, so they have to do a search of the ground uh, today to find the missing teeth, um, which is a pretty nasty sort of story to it all. But no, Canberra, toughness. Uh, Corey Horsburgh, the big redhead, scoring a couple of tries. Uh, a fighting performance by Canberra and a much-needed win for them. They don't, you know, they put in a lot of effort in their first two games and got pipped in both of them. Uh, by uh, the Dolphins and also by the Cowboys. So they probably feel this is our reward for three weeks' work. Uh, just uh, finally, uh, what's Brandy saying about the Warriors? Is he is he pretty impressed by the whole deal? I mean, you're working with him on a daily basis, basically. Yeah, called, called the game with Brandy on uh, on Saturday and then with him on air this morning. Yeah, very impressed. Rated it one of the, the most professional wins he'd seen by the Warriors. Uh, simply because of game management and the way they went about it. And they, you know, you can you could probably bag the Cowboys, but the Warriors forced the Cowboys into that situation because they didn't let up. Whereas a Warriors side, the way Brandy said, you know, a Warriors side will switch off for five, ten minutes and concede 18 points in that time. And I'm pretty sure our Warriors fans listening know exactly what he's saying. But the other day, the Warriors did not switch off. So, you know, that was a really good effort. That's the blueprint for further success. Andrew Voss, as always, uh, we enjoy this appointment with you on a Monday morning and thanks very much with your honest assessment of what happened over the weekend. Have a terrific week uh, on air, mate. Thank you.
Will do, Smithy. Thanks, mate. And, uh, yeah, Warriors fans, get out to Mount Smart on Sunday when you take on the Bulldogs. It'll be great entertainment to watch. We will. We will. Um, if we're in the area, we will. 11.21. Cheers, uh, Andrew Voss there. Uh, we're going to visit the sports desk uh, with uh, Logan Swinkles uh, coming up after this break. Covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Okay, so what is fresh? What is making waves? Let's get to that sports desk uh, with Logan Swinkles. Well, I am keeping an eye on the uh, Live Golf Tournament there in Tucson, Smithy, with Danny Lee in a four-way playoff for the winner. So if we get if we get good result there, I'll let you know. But first off, going to back to soccer football, Erlen Haaland has a problem, Smithy. The problem is he's scoring too much. This comes from Rob Dawson uh, for ESPN. Manchester City uh, manager Pep Guardiola has said that Erlen Haaland is creating a problem for himself because his form this season has been so good that he's expected to score hat-tricks in basically every game. Haaland made eight goals in five days for Man City with three in their 6-0 win over Burnley in the, in the FA Cup over the weekend, following on from scoring five against RB Leipzig in the Champions League during the week. The Norwegian striker has now scored 42 goals this season, including six hat-tricks, and Guardiola says the high standards will bring even higher Expectations kind of seems like a pretty good problem to have, Smithy. He's a giant of a man, isn't he? An absolute giant of a man. Uh, he is huge, so he dominates a lot of defensive uh, defenses in the air. And sometimes when you're that big, you don't have the ball skills perhaps to match. He does. He is a hell of a finisher. What a signing he was for Manchester City. Um, and I suppose um, their neighbours will take a lot of interest in that. They will. And speaking of that, Man U have avoided going against Man City in the FA Cup semi-final. The draw is out. United could have potentially faced... Well, they could potentially face Man City in the FA Cup final after the rival clubs have avoided each other in the semi-final draw. United bet Fulham 3-1 in their quarter-final match this morning to set up a tie with fellow Premier League club Brighton and Hove Albion. Brighton booked their place in the final four with a 5-0 thrashing of Leitou side Grimsby Town. And meanwhile... City face champions club Sheffield United, who won 3-2 over the Blackburn Rovers today. Guardiola's side faces the second-tier opposition for the second time in a row after knocking out Burnley 6-0. As I mentioned before, City have scored 14 goals without reply in their imperious FA Cup run so far after knocking out Chelsea and Arsenal in the process. Meanwhile, uh, United boss Aaron Teg Haag is looking to add to the FA if EFL Cup trophy, sorry, he has already won in his debut season at Old Trafford. The Dutchman has a chance to win three pieces of silverware this campaign with the club also still in the Europa League. Meanwhile, Guardiola's side can also win three trophies this year season. Uh, this season, sorry, Smithy, City face Bayern Munich in the Champions League quarterfinals, but eight points behind Arsenal in the Premier League title race. Those semi-finals for the FA Cup will be played at Wembley Stadium on April 23rd, with the final to be played June 4th, New Zealand time. Okay, interesting, playing both semi-finals uh, at Wembley. That's interesting. 
Uh, meanwhile, I think in London too, um, Paul Cole has uh, gone okay. Yeah, a bit of a, in case you missed it, over the weekend, Paul Cole has won the title at the Canary Wharf Classic in London, defeating the Welshman Joel Mackin in four games, 7-11, 11-6, 11-4, 11-4, in a gruelling 82 minutes, is what he had to say afterwards. Paul, what a brilliant week as always here at Canary Wharf, and what a match you played tonight. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, I mean, me and, me and Joel played uh, about a week ago in Cairo, and there's about five people in the crowd. And um, so for us to play in front of a, a packed stadium here, it's um, awesome. Uh, the the support was, you know, 50-50 uh, almost more to Joel. But you know, it's, for us, it's amazing atmosphere to play in. Um, I love coming here every year, and I think it brings out the best squash. And you know, credit to Joel for the squash he's been playing the last couple of weeks. I think he's had almost three back-to-back -back tournaments, uh, two finals and a semi-final. So it's a tough stretch for him. And, you know, he beat one and two in the world. So um, unbelievable court, man. And just finally, Smithy still keeping an eye on the Live Golf Tournament in Tucson with that 18th hole playoff still happening. Hasn't been decided yet. And uh, if it all remains drawed after they all go through, they'll just keep playing hole 18 until a winner is decided. Okay, right, uh, let's uh, keep an eye on that because, of course, Danny Lee and amongst that we don't like, uh, well, a lot of people don't, uh, don't have a preference really uh, Live golf, but whenever a New Zealand golfer is to the fore, I suppose we're uh, obliged to highlight it If he was winning the Valspar, it would have been good, but he didn't That was um, uh, taken out by Taylor Moore this morning, so uh, his debut win on the PGA, fantastic occasion for him uh, it can be, a, and thanks for the Logan for the sports test, by the by. Um, uh, it can be a special occasion for you this morning, too. 0800 150 My memory serves me right. We're playing for three figures today. We are playing for three figures. A hundy to start the week. How cool would that be for someone uh, in terms of a, a TAB bonus bet? $100 worth. Uh, get on the, the number, yeah, just repeating it. 0800 We'll take a news break from Aroha. Brian will be waiting for your calls. And Logan, of course, as always, will be the quiz master coming up shortly. 1476 AM in Auckland. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, it's Monday. It's time to play Stumped here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. As he mentioned earlier, we're playing for a $100 TAB bonus bet. And Smithy, let's just get straight into it. We've got a new contestant, I believe. Peter from Christchurch. Come in, mate. Yep. Hi, oh, yeah. Have you ever... Uh, do you know how Stumped is played? Well, not... No, not really. I haven't really heard it before. Oh. I just happen to be having a day off. And um, today, um, fresh off uh, being on the water yesterday on a mate's boat, which is fabulous. Um, so I just thought I'd just heard the call and just thought I'd dial the number. But oh, I do listen a lot. Love listen it. To, especially the drive home a lot. Yeah. Love it. Well, Smithy, we've, we've got a newbie. We'll see how we go. $100 TAB diplomas to play for is uh, not to be sneezed at. Yeah, Peter. So uh, you want to uh, like a, a spectator boat yesterday, were you? Or, is that right? Yeah, I'm a friend, friend's boat, yes. Yep, close to the course, so it was fabulous. Nice. What did you, what did, what did you make of the whole weekend then? Well, I didn't go Saturday, but I watched it on TV on Saturday. I just thought that um, the venue was spectacular. I mean, we had, we were blessed with fabulous weather. 
and we ended up getting wind, which was they were really worried about not getting. But, um, the whole um, atmosphere of the people on the boats, um, there was no, you know, I went to the America's Cup and in Auckland and there was a lot more um, bit of aggro and stuff going on between people, but everyone was just like looking after each other and, and, and helping each other and, and, you know, it was it was a really good kind of communal um, fun atmosphere, I felt. Oh, cool. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like it was uh, just 100% successful. Well done down there to um, all those people, Carl Budge and co, who arranged just a fantastic event by the sounds of it. Right, let's see if we can put some uh, money in the pocket for you, Peter, first up. Uh, the subjects yep. today, uh, Lo- uh, Logan will explain it to you, but you get three subjects and good luck. Yep, this is how the game works, Peter. There are three categories to choose from today. If, if you get a question wrong, then it's over to Smithy for a chance to knock your bales off. If he gets it right, Get out within the first two questions and it's on to the next caller in line. Get dismissed on the final question and we jackpot up to 150 tomorrow. Now your topics to choose from today are basketball, golf and rugby league. Rugby league, please. All right, good luck. First question for you, Peter. The Warriors beat the North Queensland Cowboys in Townsville 26-12 in a match that probably would have gone the other way in recent seasons. Let's be fair. Who scored the Warriors' first try? Ooh, um, Egan. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, our much-beloved number nine, Wade Egan Smithy. Yep, um, <clears throat> I watched the game. Absolutely outstanding performance. Uh, and he has uh, got into that role quite nicely, uh, uh, liking what we're seeing there. As opposed, uh, uh, well, pretty much across the park at the moment, but if your number nine's there at the base and then uh, working well, uh, you're in good shape going forward. So he's looking good, yep. Well done. Question one to Pete. Yeah, we don't need to yep. relive that moment from the previous week where there was no dummy half at one point. All right, second question for you, Peter. After three weeks, the Warriors are 2-1 and one and are in fourth place on the NRL ladder. For context, the Storm are 1-2 and two and are in 13th. A Warrior leads the league for line break assists. Can you name that player? Line break assists. Uh, um... Ooh. Who's the big prop? Um, I've lost his name now. Um, throw a name out there. Might stick. I'll just say Sean Johnson. I can't think of the guy's name. What big prop? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Not Sean Johnson, Smithy. Over to you. I'm kind of thinking it's got to be in the playmaker role, though. You don't see a lot of, um, you don't see a hell of a lot of offloads from those big boys, do you? Or do you? Uh, I'll go to Tamari Martin. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, Tamari Martin has five line break assists, first equal with one uh, Reese Walsh. So, unfortunately, Peter, that means you've been dismissed. You're stumped by Smithy, but please call again. Uh, lovely to hear from you. And we'll go now to Brian from Nelson. Hi, Smithy. How you doing? Yeah, good, Brian. $100 uh, just right out there in front of you, mate. Just one question. Peter took oh. you to the wire, so 
Just one question. How do you, how you go on your leg down there? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Warriors at the weekend. I just felt okay. that um, Super Rugby's just lost a bit of its shine, a bit of its edge, I think. I agree I with you. Know. And, uh, you. And yeah. you're, you're, of course, uh, from an area where uh, the Crusaders uh, have got a stronghold there and uh, the Tasman Marco as well. So uh, let's hope that yeah. they're taking note of it. Um, maybe it's, uh, it's just us and the diehard rugby fans will never agree with that anyway, uh, to be perfectly Should honest, be. Brian. But here we go. Yeah. Question. It's a one-question right. shootout, as they say in the movies. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Here we go, Brian. 11 Warriors ran for over 100 metres in that game against the Cowboys. Of those 11, who made the most run metres? Oh, Was it... Oh, no, I'm having a Peter moment. Now I've forgotten the guy's <laughs> name. Um... Oh, I forget. The other prop, um, not Tohu, the other, oh, I've forgotten his name completely. This is a, I'm stumped <laughs> down the side, this is not good. There's 11 players let's, to choose from here, mate, just throw one out there. <laughs> yeah, let's go Tohu Harris, and I don't think it's done. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Tohu Harris ran for 142 metres. He is not the top, Smithy. Oh, God. I, honestly, I'm, as I said a hundred times on this show, I'm not a stats man, Brian. I'm not a stats man. So while you ask these, no. continually ask these stats questions, I do not know. Um, right, I'm going to go. Who ran? Who had most hit-ups? Who uh, ran the distance? Uh, I'm going to go Adam Fanua Blake. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Fanua Blake actually ran for two more metres than Tohu Harris. Uh, please don't come after Brian for this, but the answer is Marcelo Montoya with 246 metres. Oh, God, OK. Good on you, Marcelo. Oh, wow. You're a hero. It's cost us 100 bucks. Huh? Cost us 100, Marcelo. I hope you're feeling good about that this morning. Um, hey, Brian, you won. Congratulations. I don't mind money going to Nelson. Great city. Good people are born there, man. Thank you very uh, much. How's it, how's, it, yep. how's it down there, right? You enjoying it? Yeah, no, it's, it's good, yep. N- nice weather, everything's going good. So, yeah, good can't really that. complain. Okay, well, you got got 100 bucks think, here. Just stay, just stay there momentarily, and Brian will just confirm we've got uh, everything we need from your point of view. So, Brian, the big winner here, he gets 100 back to 50 tomorrow. Sorry about that. Uh, statistical questions. Um, uh, 11.42. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Rightio, uh, let's go to the uh, Temper Bedpost uh, text machine if we can. Uh, always enjoy a, a good text from Graham. And uh, Graham said this, uh, Morning Smithy, I've been listening to all those commentators and journalists and uh, they are talking about uh, RTS uh, and then talking them up after the game on Saturday. They clearly watched a different game to me. As he ran over the line three times to make tackles, which he missed, one led to a try. He then got palmed off by Leicester Fyunganuku because RTS went in too high. Then he got gassed, so the, that's two tries he led in. Not good enough at this level. He did score a good try by himself, but he has a lot to learn at this level too. And he's running out of time, sadly. Uh, that's from uh, Graham from Marlborough, formerly from Northland. Uh, interesting observation there. Uh, that is... Um, 
uh, a good one. So is this one here from Sean. Isn't the Warriors game the battle of the two ex-Penrith coaches this weekend? Well, you're absolutely right, of course, uh, because uh, we've got uh, Andrew Webster, who was uh, the uh, defence coach uh, for Penrith uh, last year. Or was he the attacking coach? It was one of the two. Uh, anyway, uh, certainly worked for Penrith last year. Ivan Cleary will be taking a lot of interest in this game coming up this weekend because Cameron Seraldo has uh, been signed by the Canterbury Bulldogs and he certainly was with uh, Penrith as well. So it will be a little sideline there. Nice observation too. Um, Sean also says, Smithy, did the NRL, uh, NRL get his head knock as a grade one so he's out for 11 days? Um, can't uh, make that up, uh, Logan. Maybe you can. Uh, they'll be referring to Wade Egan. He had an HIA right. okay. in the first half that he passed, yep. but then he took another one uh, late uh, in that game to uh, Jason Tamalolo, and he didn't look very good. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he does uh, get stood down under that new policy. Did you um, – oh, John has come in and said Blues lost it at the line-out and scrum. Sam Whitelock and the young Tamaiti Williams dominated the Blues in those areas was a great game to watch, though. Okay, uh, Smithy does uh, doesn't LIV golf remind you of when Kerry Packer started up the World Series of Cricket in the seventies? A lot of similarities, George. A lot of similarities. Of course, that came back together, didn't it, George? Good spot. Uh, it came back together after a period of time. I'm forecasting that uh, this will. But I'm really uh, looking at uh, just the PGA um, and the DP Gold Golf. They've got a lot of stars and and a lot of good stars. Um, performing well, and a lot of names who you thought might be drifting away from the game, uh, like Jordan Spieth, uh, almost in a playoff this morning, played very, very well, but just couldn't hit it off the tee. Ricky Fowler's made uh, good inroads into a comeback, so has Jason Day. So they're bolstering the numbers of the new players that are coming to the fore, the likes of the Max Homers, of course, Scotty Scheffler, no doubt about him. Uh, there is a great nucleus uh, looking forward, then I'll be perfectly honest, not missing a lot of those guys. Uh, but speaking of love golf, uh, Logan Swinkles, you've been keeping in somehow keeping an eye on Danny Lee, yeah? Uh, yeah, the 18th hole playoff is still ongoing. Carlos Ortiz is, uh, has been eliminated, but Oosthuizen, Steele and Danny Lee are still involved. Danny Lee's just hit in a really beautiful shot on his second. Uh, landing relatively closely to the pin, it's a par 4 18th. 447 yards. Brendan Steele had to go looking a little bit for his ball and he didn't want to hit it through the trees but looks like he was told to. So, uh, And the other one, Oosthuizen, his second shot, just missed the fairway. So going into this third shot now, Smithy, Danny Lee is in pretty good position. Good, Kate. Right. Well, uh, if we can't do it in the next uh, two to three minutes, uh, Staffy might give you an update if he's an interested fan of Live Golf, I'm sure. Uh, we'll find out what he's got in Midday Madness uh, and uh, what else is uh, part of his show this afternoon. We will, incidentally, t- tomorrow be broadcasting from the Hastings Golf Club as an upside-down uh, tournament there in aid of um, benefiting uh, Down syndrome, uh, speech therapy and uh, other areas too of Down syndrome. So uh, we'll be broadcasting from 9 to 12 out of um, a facility at the Hastings Golf Club, hopefully looking down the beautiful 18th coming up towards us. Um, so we'll be there. We'll have a few personalities, but we'll have a lot of elements of our normal show as well, including Stump Smithy, all those things, so you won't miss out there. But uh, we're going on a little outing, shall we say. We're taking it on the road, as they say. It's 11.52 here on SENZ.